0: You're listening to Live Wild Radio, the part-time adventure podcast.
1: Join us as we explore how outdoor adventures build mind, body, and spirit.
0: Welcome to this episode, everybody. Uh, Normally, we don't do a little preamble uh, intro, but a couple of neat things. First, we're on vacation, so we're actually doing a rebroadcast of our episode with Gus. Seems like a perfect time to talk about rock climbing here in Ontario and elsewhere. With so many new people getting outside, we talk a lot about good etiquette and how to be a good uh, steward of the rock climbing. We're also giving away a a set of guidebooks, Um, and these ones are going to be pretty cool because we're getting them signed, both by Gus and Justin, the author of the guidebooks, and then some of the, well, uh, you'll see when you get the books. So to have a chance to win, go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review with a comment. The ones that are left... There in the next few weeks we will draw from those the winner will be announced um, on our uh, episode coming up with reg smart um, when we're talking about legends of rock climbing here in ontario so without further ado we've been doing more and more remote uh episodes so this we've done them from people's like Coffee tables and picnic tables and backyards, and you know, all that kind of thing. Uh, up to this point, probably our coolest was uh, Cody Bradford's van. Yeah, but today we're in Gus's climbing garage.
2: It's it's officially known as the Get
0: Strong. Oh, the Get Strong. There we go. Uh, because you know, after after Lance Armstrong sullied, you know, the live strong will get strong. Um, yeah, so our guest today, if, if anybody climbs in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you either have the Southern Ontario Escarpment Guidebook or the Northern Escarpment Guidebook. Uh, a fellow named Gus. How do you pronounce your last name, Gus? Last name's
2: Alex Andropoulos.
0: Okay, because I'm like once I'm beyond three syllables, I'm kind of fucked. Uh, listen. Most <laughs> of us are, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you've climbed in Ontario, um, you owe this man a thanks because he sort of brought you know. Took the the kind of old school guidebook, uh, you know, that we'd been running for years, and created like a modern uh, guidebook. You know, good maps and color pictures and lots of history. Um, and and,
2: and, I, and I at this point, I just want to interject, like Justin Dwyer, the co-author. Huge, huge work. I mean, I honestly, I don't know if I'd have been able to do this alone. And the fact that he came on board and worked, and we worked together to finish this is absolutely amazing. And he continues to be proactive in the development and documentation of of, of the history and uh, and the accomplishments in Southern Ontario. The, the man is, is is quite quite. Everybody owes him a huge thanks as well. <laughs> yeah. Was,
0: don't worry, Justin. I was going to get the... You know, <laughs> it is is like, you know, on the show. If you were here, then, you know, we'd put Gus's... I tried like to bring it. him down. He didn't. Yeah. Couldn't make it. <laughs> but, so, one of the things for anybody in Ontario to sort of understand is that while we don't have, like, the, the famous big mountains, um, we've got, like, a climbing scene and a climbing history uh, that's both, you know, unique, interesting... Um, Has a bit of that, uh, what's probably the best way to put it, um, with being, you know, on the east and being not big, almost like an inferiority complex.
2: That's actually absolutely correct. And and there were periods throughout climbing in southern Ontario where people were terrified to grade things what they really were. Because, hey, we're in southern Ontario, we can't be climbing that hard.
0: Well, and, and that's that's one of the cool things is like this is one of those sandbagged areas where you do a 5'9". Oh, God. Uh, and guess what? <laughs> you go, if you were to go to like any modern area, like go down to the Red River Gorge or oh, go to Red Rock. Yeah, you're like... Uh, <laughs> you feel good. Yeah, this is not a 5'9". Yeah. This is, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a much harder climb, you know, and, and uh, I've seen things uh, like... There's a route. I was talking to the, one of the guys that put it up, like at the new routes at Rattlestake. Um, it's labeled as a 5 6. Sure. And he's like, <clears throat> when, I, when I did it, I, I, I called it a 9, but they said it's a 5 6. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, if, if you come from the gym and you go outside and you climb a lot of the escarpment routes, the thing to know is gyms are graded to make you feel good about yourself. That's Mm -hmm.
2: always the case. It's a business. And I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's just like, hey, I'd like you to come back. And you you won't come back if you feel like you're completely inadequate. So we're going to make the grades a little softer. And then you you get really that that huge contrast when you go outside in Southern Ontario where the grades are not soft at all. And in fact, the pendulum is in the other direction. Yeah.
0: Like sandbags in some cases. Like When I started back in the 80s, you'd have people who would go, well, we can't be that good. Right. So, um, you know, we're just going to call this one a 10. Right. You know, and they, and they sort of feel like they're going out on the ledge with that. Absolutely. Taking and it's that like, risk. you know, really an 11 or a 12.
2: Yeah. And you don't want to be called out as being pompous enough to, hey, I, I think I climbed at 511 or 512 or, or even 59, depending on the decade. You don't want to be that person that's saying I'm pushing it to mm-hmm. the next grade because, hey, it's Ontario. Really quick story that kind of drove this. Point home uh, was Reg Smart um, and Ziggy Isaac were uh, were training to go do some some big route in uh, in Yosemite, and they were there and they were doing all these warm up routes thinking they weren't ready yet, and they bumped into John Backar who at the time was like you know God hmm. when it comes to free climbing in, in Yosemite, and uh, and they said yeah we're, we're hoping to do this r- r- uh, route and, and Backar asked them so what have you guys done and they listed off their resume he goes dude you guys are like more than capable of doing this route just get on it like like, but they just (laughs) didn't believe it right like you're 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 coming from southern ontario how the heck can you be climbing well enough right
1: yeah so take us back to your early climbing days or outdoor days and are you from southern ontario i'm from southern ontario yeah yeah yeah. so give us a little bit of that yeah
2: um uh kid always interested in doing stuff in the outdoors, mm-hmm. uh, used to be in cycling, uh, pretty seriously, got into a bad accident. Um, 1986, I kind of started rock climbing after that accident. I kind of started spending more time climbing than, uh, than cycling. And it's kind of, uh, it's kind of become, I mean, it's, it's, it's become who I am to some degree, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's taken over my life. I'm pretty passionate about climbing. It was, it was very different, kind of started, uh, the way most of us did back then, which is you mm-hmm. picked up a magazine or a book. Magazines were popular, so were books, <laughs> and uh, and then hopefully you found a mentor, which I did, and you went outside and top roped at Rattlesnake Point. To is kind that of, where you started? Yeah, yeah. everyone did. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: It what, was, year, <laughs> what, what yearish did you start? Oh God, uh, I'm wondering if you guys bumped into each other. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, some, oh, we probably did. It's know very it. likely. Like yeah. in, in, in 80s, right? Late 80s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, and 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 it's funny because. You know, right now, Rattlesnake Point is seen as like a, a, a bit of a throwaway crag, you mm-hmm. know, in the sense that, you know, no one who's serious will, will go there today. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, it was still a testing ground. Right. And, it, and historically, it was a testing ground for, for people who were starting out because, look, it was easy approach. Weather was good. There was a, a nice spread of grade so you could go there and really, you know, develop as a climber. Um, and, and it was kind of a cool area. Like you'd see people who are really talented still climbing there. Right. Mm-hmm. It was still worth visiting. Um, and then like, like everyone else, you, you, you eventually, I eventually gravitated to some of the other crags, local crags, like Nemo. I remember going to Nemo and that was, man, Nemo back then was very different. Uh, there wasn't a parking lot, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you okay. parked across the street, yeah. there was no gate. Uh, and that stuff's kind of cool, but what was really amazing is the, is, is, the fact that the place was so bloody wild and undeveloped, mm-hmm. um. I, I mean, you would be bushwhacking along the base. You, you never saw anyone. I, it was a very different time to be climbing.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. And who were the climbers? Like, what was the culture like
3: back then? Um,
2: it was a smaller community. It was a smaller community, okay. right? So, like, tiny, tiny community, and you knew most folks. Uh, Chris and Judy, Mark Bracken, I mean, these people were, like, on the forefront of a lot of the development that was happening when I was uh, when I was developing as a climber. Uh, uh, there was Reg and Dave, obviously. Uh, Reg and Dave Smart. Um you know, those were the primary developers and proponents. I think if you go a little into the early 90s, things started to change because sport climbing at that point started to uh, become clearly defined. Uh, it was funny because I think, I know, um, we in Southern Ontario, one of the first places in North America to, imbra- to embrace sport climbing or what would eventually become sport climbing. So uh, the big debate that was happening was, you know, whether to uh, – Because sport climbing suggested you would rappel in, bolt things on rappel, rehearse stuff. Mm -hmm. And traditional climbing was like, you start from the ground, you climb up. If you fall, you lower, you pull your rope, you start again. And it was a very different tactical approach to how you climbed. And what what people were realizing... Um, when the Europeans came here and they crushed, is that hey? This sport climbing allows us to get better much faster and climb mm. harder at uh, climb at a standard that you couldn't do with, with traditional climbing tactics. So Dave Smart uh, kind of pushed the boat out by uh, bolting Moby Fly at Cowcrag. This this four four bolt route. Where, where's Calcrab? Calcrag is in the Milton area, just oh, north okay. of the yeah. 401. Yeah. Okay,
3: gotcha.
2: Small little area, huh. but it historically it's, it's still to open today. Route. It's it's open. Yeah, Axis is a little kind of uh, crazy, mm. but it's open. It okay. is open. Uh, cool. Keep a low profile, behave like an adult. You should be okay. Leave the beer and bonds at home. Don't bring the hammock. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, a Moby fly, uh, and it was one of the first wrap uh, bolted routes, and he he placed two pins and two bolts because people also forget at the time you didn't have power drills, so. Um, the notion of drilling uh, by hand was quite daunting. It took forever. Like you had a hammer and a, and a drill bit and you tapped away. And so if you could place uh, pins rather than bolts, it just saved time and effort, right? So the modern sport route in Southern Ontario that defined it for us was Moby Fly, two pins, a couple of bolts. And uh, and it's funny because in other parts of the world, in other parts of North America, there were still huge debates, Smith Rock probably being the one exception, where it's kind of widely regarded as, as the birthplace of North American sport climbing. But in most places, if you were do, using these tactics, um, people would go chop your route, right? Hmm. The ascent wasn't considered valid. And while there was a little bit of grumbling from some of the older folks, uh, the route stayed up and it kind of clearly, uh, lit the way or showed the way of the future where, where climbing was going to go. Mm. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, I mean, I'm trying to remember when I did it, but it was way back when. And, uh, and, and part of the reason people started to kind of be okay with sport climbing in Southern Ontario is we realized we didn't have the rock that the Western, uh, states had, or the Western provinces had, uh, we had limestone, And so limestone, for the most part, dolomite, dolostone, tends to be steeper.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay.
2: And so uh, the whole notion of 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 of, you know being able to stop at natural stances and 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 climb and protect stuff uh, on lead is is not as viable at some point. The rock doesn't have those formations. Uh, As it gets harder, it becomes more blank. So mm-hmm. bolts are considered acceptable, uh, the fact. Mm-hmm. And you used to have to drill on lead. You'd, get, you'd climb up. You'd place hooks. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was quite quite crazy. And it made sense to some extent if you lived in Joshua Tree or in Yosemite where the low-angle rock allowed you to do this. Right. I mean, you still hit a point where you couldn't. Pushed the boundaries but it took longer to hit that point in some of these areas when the rock is steeper that point gets hit pretty fast Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. and so sport like bolting on rappel made sense for southern ontario it really Mm -hmm. did And, and you saw an explosion of it i mean a lot of early bolted routes are um yeah, it was, it's, it was quite amazing how, how visionary some of these folks were. Yeah.
1: But it was it was pretty much a war between uh, track climbing and sport climbing. It, it, like it people, was, but said, less so in them. southern
2: Ontario, which is amazing. There were a few like dogmatic individuals, uh, but it okay. was kind of special because we didn't have that full-on bolt chopping war, right? Mm. In other parts of the world, it was full-on. Gotcha. Like, like yeah, people's cars would get smashed.
1: A clash of generations. Literally. A little like what we're seeing today.
0: Well, <laughs> and it's funny now that the people that complain um, about bolting aren't old anymore. There's the occasional. Like, uh, they're but, not. But most most of the time, it's young people.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> and, and and it's funny because they, they want to... they. It's it's amazing because when you have choices, you can choose to want to live in the past. Yeah. But everyone at the time, or many people at the time, when this was going on, it was like, man, this is great. It's going to let us climb on rock that we wouldn't be able to climb on
1: before. It's a new challenge. Well, yeah. And
0: that's the thing. Like, Sort of the perfect illustration, I think, is... Like Nevada between Red Rocks and Mount Charleston. Oh God. Red Rocks is sandstone; <laughs> it's protectable, it's easy. You yeah. know, beautiful. Um, beautiful, lots of cracks and pockets and all this kind of thing. Um, then you got Mount Charleston, and because it's a higher elevation, it's the it's the uh, you know basically limestone. It's limestone,
2: yeah. yeah. And beautiful.
0: Even though it like from across the valley, it actually looks like blank granite because it's compared to our. Kind of fractured and yep. chossy limestone. Mm-hmm. It's very it's smooth. It's monolithic. Features. Absolutely, mm-hmm. uh, and you have just areas where it's just been grid bolted because Absolutely. you know they've accepted. Because not only is it a case where there isn't places for producing natural oh. protection, um, limestone's not the best material it's not to the place best cams me- yeah. or nuts. Yeah,
1: so that's like at almost every two feet is what it was. Two, two or three feet.
0: Z clipping is like was one of those things. It's the only area I've ever run into where I'm like. Yeah. I actually Z-clipped and went, oh, fuck. Because, like, literally you reach a foot from you to grab your rope. And the bolt's already (laughs) (laughs) there, you know? Um, but, But that's one of those things. Like, now we seem to be maybe more pragmatic in the sense of going, okay, limestone, yes, you can trad climb on it, but you're you not going to trad climb hard.
2: It, it. It. You bottom out pretty quickly. Like, like, you know, you run out of options that are viable for hard trad climbing mm-hmm. pretty darn quickly yeah. in Ontario. Dave says something really, Dave Smart said something really interesting. Yeah, there's tons of great trad climbing in Ontario. Unfortunately, those routes are about 10 miles apart. Yeah. You know? mm. <laughs> so his point is like, you've got this escarpment every 10 miles, you maybe you'll well. find something yeah. that's worth climbing on gear and the rest is like, you know, Better put bolts in it if you yeah. want to climb Yeah, so, and
0: they're, they're, the way I look at it is like, as long as it's sort of done in a, like, smart, you know... Like, Thoughtful. You know, and, and competent way, then it's safer for everybody. Absolutely, um, It does make the, the climbing more accessible. Absolutely. Because nobody learns to trad climb in the gym, but they can learn to sport climb in the gym. Absolutely. And then from there, I think one of the biggest things is, uh, you know, there's... From a commitment standpoint, mm-hmm. money wise, sure. Um, you know, buying mm-hmm. a Grigri and, and a dozen quick draws—it's way cheaper than a trad rack. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, like when I look at like when we when we go trad climbing, you know, and I'm doing the math. it's like you know, it's like. A hundred bucks, 200 bucks Easy. as you clip yeah, everything yeah, yeah, every, on your every harness. Yeah. Or, you booty,
1: yeah. or booty that you find. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah just, it's nice.
0: always nice. Yeah. Listeners have heard my, my if it, there's a route down in uh, Red Rocks, if you do want to collect booty um, called Romanian rib, it's back in the First Creek Canyon. Uh, everybody uh, seems to do it not based on the guidebook. Cause it like when you have a thousand foot route with like three lines, right. And no pitch one, pitch two, pitch three. I've been on a few of those. Uh, you, people tend to run off mountain project directions. Yep. yep. And pitch six is wrong.
2: Ah, lovely, lovely. <laughs> so then
0: they end up bailing, leaving, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars of gear behind. Just
2: keep collecting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, and when you, when you get brand new shiny cans. Oh, God,
2: it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. Like it pretty much
0: paid for that trip. <laughs> so, or at least man. justified the trip, right? Yeah. 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 You know, what well, hey, just, and it, what I thought was hilarious, though, is more the. Thing you run into is that uh, with brand new shiny gear, and you know it's a moderate, it's a five seven, sure, um, and you know down there a five is pretty soft. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it red rocks. Yeah, yeah. Um, they ran into the thing where uh, they're doing a big multi pitch without. Well, obviously, they got off because they bailed, sure. right? But the whole thing of like having those skills to go, okay, we're off route, we still got to get to the top. Because that's where the rap actors are. Um, and it's and it one of those things, it's kind of like the, the people that go backpacking in the, or hiking in the mountains on a day hike with no headlamp. Right. You just sort of go, if things went a tiny bit more wrong for you. What would happen? You would have been
2: fucked. Absolutely, yeah.
0: <laughs> right? Because my thing was, well, worst case, I know how to aid climb. So. Yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. We, we, you know, we were off in this gully and I'm climbing over fallen trees and everything because right. it was off route. You just keep going. And, you know, there was yeah. a couple spots I had to do a bit of French free, and you yeah, get yeah. through. And it wasn't particularly hard climbing. You, you had a skill set, right? You, you know, developed and, a skill set. And but what's interesting is that you, it never would have occurred to me um, back in the day to attempt something like this without having all of those course. other skills. Of course, mm-hmm. right?
2: And today it's it's quite common people venture onto these routes sure without do. having the uh, the skill set or the understanding or the knowledge. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know,
0: because like part of it's just being cheap. Like I'm not. I'm not. When I bail, I'm not leaving, you know, 750 <laughs> bucks worth of gear. Like five cams, a nut, <laughs> slings, carabiners. Like that's just an ass load of stuff. It truly is. Uh, but also you run into the thing. Like unless, you know, somebody's hurt. Sure. Um, you backtrack a bit. A and little then bit, yeah. Sort it out. figure your way up, yep. you know, because, and, and I guess that's the thing. It's like a lot of people don't know how to aid climb. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, and when you're in the big multi-pitch stuff, like if you get that stretch where, you know, maybe it's 15 feet, but it's just right at your limit. Yeah. It, it. And yeah. over your yeah. head. That's yeah. Yeah. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Just put a cam in. Free French through it. Go I'm pretty that. happy
1: I wasn't on yeah. that one.
0: You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because. Somebody she, else lead this. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, there was three of us. So she decided, you know, we'd climb for two days. Uh,
1: I, I have a slight fear of heights, by the way. And I did my first 100 footer there in Red Rock. And then I did 500 feet in Cat in the Hat. And huh. I was done. Like I was, I didn't know what I was doing. And right. I swore after that, I'm taking some lessons. Yes, like, yes, yes. Was, There's was three of us. I so All I had to do was climb. I was in the middle. Okay. And, and even my rappel gear was on backwards. That was oh, your wow. Thing. Yeah. But it just made it harder. But the point is, is that I just sat there and I didn't lose my shit. Yep. I even did a traverse and something. He's like, oh, well, what if you fall? I'm like, oh, it'll be fun. You yeah, know, yeah, like I'm just yeah. trying to keep my shit together. Get off that. Stay
0: calm. I even keep yeah. my pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's sort of one of those things that, you know.
1: Yeah. Long story short, I went to the spa. They did this thing. Yeah. And I gave you my uh, garment in reach. So it was good. Yeah. Contact me. <laughs> so anyway, that was a.
0: But that was, that was sort of one of those kind of fun, epic adventures that wasn't, you know but but just it really illustrated to me that that the number of new climbers mm-hmm. um, that are attempting big ish things sure. um, without the requisite skill set yep right so if everything goes right no big deal <clears throat> no, no big falls deal. Not no something.
2: modern gear sure it should be fine right yeah right
0: but then when one thing goes wrong yeah. Like in this case, it just costs them a lot of money.
2: Absolutely, and YouTube has like become the default le- uh, teaching mechanism, which is really problematic when you're dealing with such nuanced climbing situations, right? And and like YouTube, okay, who's who's presenting the information? What do they know? Um, and this is where a lot of folks are starting to learn their skill sets. And it was very different. It was very different back when we were climbing because you had mentors, right? Mm-hmm. And and that mm-hmm. was a, a such a such a critical uh, component to every climber's development. Uh, and it's harder to provide that kind of uh, interaction and, and uh, nowadays just because the sheer number of new people getting into the sport, right? Yeah,
0: because right. if you think every community of any size has a climbing gym or more than one, uh, and then that you know their business model is we want people in, Absolutely. we want people yeah. in, yeah. and a, and a, so the more people that are that are doing any type of climbing, um, you're going to have a certain percentage that want to go outside. Yes. Uh, but a lot of times I found with the gyms, sometimes they're not bad, but a lot of times they don't sort of uh, have like a, a, a clean, okay, and here's a guide company sure, you a, take a courses with. Program. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's where we run into like a lot of the Craig issues. Yes, absolutely. Um, no, completely. Especially you know. in
2: Southern Ontario. And it's not just even from a safety perspective, it's from an etiquette perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, that's kind of really fascinating because, so, so listen, like in Canada, the largest climbing community in all of Canada is in Southern Ontario, right? Mm -hmm. everyone thinks it's in the Rockies. Everyone thinks it's in Vancouver. It's not Mm -hmm. Southern Ontario has the largest climbing base. Now you could argue, you know, much of it may not be super serious, whatever, uh, just in terms of sheer numbers, it's here. There's over 22 gyms within an hour of downtown Toronto. It's a staggering amount of people wanting to get outside. And because the introduction is coming from, uh, climbing gyms, um, I think people are approaching the outdoors as they would if it were any other uh, uh, sport, like basketball mm-hmm. or hockey, mm-hmm. and 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 they forget that no, it's it's in the it's in the wilderness. Well front country anyway, and we need to behave differently. And, mm-hmm. and this is where you run into issues where I mentioned earlier about, you know, hammocks and bongs and whatever. I'm mm-hmm. I, 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 like, fill your boots. I have no issue. It's just there are places where you can't behave that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love what uh, Leslie, I think she started at Rock for That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Which is good because even as an outdoors person myself, I wouldn't have known about the hammock thing. Sure. And I think when people know and they really ask, they're like, oh, Absolutely. okay, I can I actually can So here's that. a
2: really fascinating story. A friend of mine was uh, was down in uh, at the New this summer and uh there was it's a national uh, park service was there i guess and they were doing a study and uh the study focused on two things mm-hmm. right climbing study focused on crag dogs and hammocks mm-hmm. so that just drives the point home that this is on the national park services radar yeah. that these two factors right um are having an impact that the parks are trying to figure out how to manage right
1: let's talk about that what's
2: it's easy. Don't bring a hammock. If you're that tired, <laughs> stay home. No, no, no,
1: no, no. What, what's the negative impact? Well, some think, people might say, what the fuck? Yeah, what, no, why?
2: no, it's a very good point. Yeah, no. Um, so uh, the impact from a from hammock perspective, uh, I think it's twofold, right? One, uh, you're tying off these trees. The more you tie them off, the more bark damage you could be doing, which probably isn't appropriate. Uh, the other issue, which is, I think, more obvious to folks, because if if you can, if some people will poo-poo that and say, come on, really? It's not that big a deal. The bigger issue, however, is that when you're stringing these bloody things up, you tend to create a larger base of impact. Mm -hmm. So uh, most land managers are like, okay, here's a deal. Uh, One or two meters from the base of the cliff, we're going to let you guys, not trash it, but it's going to be, it's going to receive impact because that's where you're going to walk. That's where you're going to belay. That's where you're going to sit while you're, waiting to belay. Mm-hmm. We get it. Mm-hmm. So you start stringing up hammocks, that base increases further and further. So it goes yeah. from two meters, let's say, to five meters, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And suddenly land managers are like, you know what? Uh, our, our job is to, yes, allow recreation here, but also to manage, right? Mm-hmm. Halton region, mm-hmm. conservation, mm-hmm. all these conservation areas in southern Ontario, there's a conservation component there. And so, when, once you start creating this base, this bleeding out into the forest, further and further into the forest, they're seeing the impact as like, First of all, unnecessary, and secondly, problematic. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to happen. Why mm-hmm. are you choosing to do this? Um, dogs are the same thing. Uh, you know, if if you, dogs are problematic in a bunch of different ways. One, yes, they dig up the ground. They can they can run around causing erosion. Uh, the real problem that's happening now, though, is just the sheer number of dogs and people at the bases, and mm-hmm. and everybody's dog doesn't like everybody else's dog, and mm-hmm. yet everybody mm-hmm. thinks their dog is the best dog. Full disclosure, I have two dogs. Yeah. You know, I love dogs. Yeah. Huge dog fan. Not mm-hmm. everyone is. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we used to take mm-hmm. our dogs to the cliff, they would always be on a leash. Didn't mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. It's like, no, we like dogs. You might not like dogs. Yeah. Why am I going to, why am I going to subject you to my Yeah animals, right? Like mm-hmm. this is completely unfair. You wouldn't do this anywhere else in a public space. Why is it okay gotcha. to do it at a, at a, at a climbing area, right? Mm-hmm. Friends of ours were up at Rifle Colorado back in the early, early nineties. And uh, they'd brought their dog. Their dog was off leash. The dog goes over to a, a, a climber's pack, starts eating her sandwich and pissing on her pack. It, it created some tension. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you, <think? laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and you know, we've seen dog fights at. At the motherload, and like like literally yeah. dog fights. It's like this is madness, right? Oh
1: wow! Put your dog on a leash, and that's distracting when you're trying to belay somebody.
2: Absolutely, it's it's, it's problematic on a, on a
1: whole host yeah. of levels. And so
2: we actually stopped bringing the dogs to the
1: cliff. Yeah. Right. Um, What's well, the same thing with music? It annoys me because especially when people are belaying and there's communication or especially Absolutely. when if i'm trying to lead or do something for the first time and Absolutely. clean an anchor it doesn't help when there's music going on these are
3: shared public spaces yeah. right and yeah. this is
2: how we need to start thinking about them would you do this in a park right yeah no so why are you feeling okay about doing it here which is an even more sensitive area right well, you know
0: and that's a, i think one of the problems is is that when you say oh would you do this in a park and you go no but the problem is with a lot of the people, they would, right? So it's Good It's, point. it's, a, it's yeah. a broader, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: So to just to keep it clear, there's a website called Rock Respect. You can Google it. ca probably, I, yeah. Or yeah. probably. Just and Google
2: there's it. also like, and the Rock Respect thing is based on like the Leave No Trace ethic that always yes. existed in the outdoors. I yeah. mean, like, like this is this is not new, people. It's out there, and I find it fascinating. And I don't want to sound negative, but I find it fascinating that in a world where information has never been more accessible. How mm-hmm. people can claim ignorance of some of this stuff, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I get it. Maybe you don't know. Fine. But at some point, you need to take some personal responsibility. You're choosing to go out here, right?
1: Yeah. Like, arm yourself with knowledge. It's not yeah. that hard. Yeah. What's been fascinating to me is all the being new at this uh, as of a couple of years, all the culture behind rock climbing from a historical perspective, um, in the U.S., in Ontario, um, just the views on, on safety and, and uh, yeah, access and etiquette, um, there's a lot more to it. And I think it's, you know, we want to make sure that people understand that. And, and, and so... What do you see? When did you see the shift start to happen? I guess it was in the nineties and you're seeing like, what were the key milestones like, I, from I, when I you the key, first started? Key any-
2: milestones were, uh, probably the late eighties, early nineties when, when sport climbing started to get right. defined, like yeah. that changed things. Yeah.
1: And since then, do you see any other specific, I guess? the
2: Absolutely. Uh, the explosion of indoor climbing has, has just blown the sport out of the water in terms of the number of people participating and they're participating in the sport very differently. And, and I think this is really interesting. When we used to go climbing, it was you and your partner, Or if you went with another team, you would split up when you got to the base and you'd each go do some routes, right? Right. And now what's happening is we call it posse climbing, right? You and 15 of your closest friends arrive at the base, you set up camp, you put up your top ropes, Mm -hmm. you monopolize these routes all day. Yeah. And then you wonder why people are pacing at the bottom, you know, giving you the evil eye because it's like, hey, I'd like to get on this bloody thing today as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so it's become something that you would do to get away from people or to kind of push yourself a little bit or experience the outdoors. And now it's become much more social. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing. I just don't know how well it can work in the outdoors when the numbers are so great and yet the outdoor resources are limited, right? Right. Um, And the impact becomes really obvious. Uh, If you want to focus at local cliffs, because most people listening to this will probably understand, like if you look at uh, Mount Nemo, I mean there are bases
1: uh we went there one day it was like 200 people
2: literally literally and i think what did we document i don't know how many routes the area has but there was there was like almost more people than viable routes there you know Uh, so it's just it's and and so the the erosion that's happening and the impact that's taking place is massive Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and and i and i i bring it up again it's not necessarily the best sport to go with 10 of your closest friends right um Mm -hmm. if you want to go climbing, go climbing absolutely yeah if you want to do something social. Maybe the gym is a better place. I don't know. Yeah. But some of these outdoor areas can't sustain this kind of traffic and this impact. Yeah. And land managers are becoming aware of it and it could negatively impact our access to some of these areas, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. When I think, like if you look, if you go hiking or backpacking in the Adirondacks, mm-hmm. they limit your group size.
2: Do they really? Um, yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah.
0: And, makes sense. you know, if you, it, whether it's k- the camping part of it, the hiking groups, like literally, if you're in part of a group that is bigger, your groups have to be at least a mile apart. Yeah, yeah that's right?
1: interesting. Maybe they should go uh, I don't know, I'm just throwing this out here, but like a permit system for the crag, like oh, they, they'll put out so many. I mean, yeah. then, you know, become it become an issue as well. But um, it would certainly alleviate the numbers if that was really
2: Yeah, no. I I mean, these are all these are all viable things to talk. These are things yeah. we need to talk about, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know sure. what the answer is, but it, it needs to be discussed because it, it is the, the biggest change you've seen is just the sheer number of climbers. And it's mostly at, I don't want to say the bottom end because that sounds negative, but it's mostly, you know, new climbers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and they're climbing more recreationally. And I say recreation in the sense of the passion to climb super hard and push themselves isn't nearly as great as it may have been at one time, right? Not a bad thing. It's just a different thing.
1: Well, I I think what people need to realize that it's not our fucking property. Oh, more
2: crazy talk. More crazy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> talk. More fucking crazy talk, yeah. yeah. It
1: isn't. And people who come at it thinking they have the right to be there and uh, take on that attitude. Um, so you've put up quite a few routes. Yeah, let's,
0: uh, let's take a... Let, I, I have a, a different transition. Yeah. So, because th- this is one I actually have I've always wanted to actually talk to you about, was you started as a climber. Yes. Um, and got into climbing. Mm-hmm. At some point, you did that switch to route developer, correct? Right? You still climb, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a part where where most people go, and and I find this hilarious. They go out to the cliff. Mm-hmm. There's bolted routes. There's sure. nice hardware. Da da da. And you know they almost think, oh, uh, well that one's a little loose, so we'll have to let the Craig manager. That's know. right. The Craig right? ferry will come out and fix it. Yeah, like there yeah. no such thing exists. People, no, right? Nobody. It, it's people who go. I. Generally, right? I want to climb this, sure. so I will rig it. I will bolt Absolutely. it. you know. And then I will climb it, and Absolutely. then I will leave it behind for others to you enjoy. Know. Yeah. And then, then of course, there's the thing where, uh, and you've done a lot of this. Of yeah, I'm not climbing five sevens, but I'll put right. up a bunch of those anyway. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. um, which I don't think any any route developers who are actually putting up moderates. Don't climb moderate. Obviously, you'll probably climb the route when you put it up. Of course, see and, and, where, and then never, know.
2: yeah, and, and not care about it ever again. Not yeah. because you don't think it's a worthy route. It's just like you, you move on to something that's more within your like to channel. you, yeah. right. Yeah,
0: you know. Yeah. Um, so, so the, let's talk about the transition from I likes rock climbing to sure. I'm gonna makes rock climbing.
2: <laughs> so, so for me, I, I mean, listen. Anybody who says there isn't a, a, an element of ego is probably lying. Right? Like, yeah, psh, you, you you get to piss on the rock and, and leave your leave your mark. Cool. Um the real and that was a component, and, like I said, anybody who thinks that that 's not a driving element is 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 not being sincere. Um, that said, one of the reasons for me my motivation, one of my primary motivations is uh, remember earlier we talked about how Ontario was like really eager to develop sport climbing or at least mm. what became sport climbing. We were very eager, super ahead of the curve, and then we somehow lost the plot and and by when I say lost the plot, I mean. Other areas were starting to add anchors to the top of the climbs. Other areas were uh, updating routes with modern hardware, or bolt spacing was being more consistent. Uh, was was Yeah, routes were being created with more consistent bolt spacing. Um, and we had somehow not been stopped doing that, right? I don't know why. I, I, I'm i not sure why. And I said, this is crazy. I'm traveling to all these places. I can lower off. I don't have to top out on a sport route, set up an anchor, and belay my partner up. Mm-hmm. I'm sport climbing. I'm not trad climbing, right? Uh, this is insane. Why am I bringing one nut on these sport routes, right? Or a cam, yeah. you know? Uh, cause, cause, or why am I clipping rusty old pins when there should be a bolt here? So that's, screw it. I'm, gonna, I'm just developing my own routes, you know? And I'm going to develop them in a style that I think is, 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 is ref, reflect, reflects what's happening everywhere else in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the driver for me because I wanted to climb routes like that. I didn't want to top out. I didn't. So uh, one of my early routes at Lion's Head uh, was a Drunken Master or something. It stopped and it stopped about I don't know, maybe twenty feet from the top. And it's like, why? Well, because it's like five seven bushwhacking. I don't care about that. The route's thirteen B. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't. I don't care about. It's going to stop at the thirty five meter mark, and you'll be able to lower with, with a seventy meter rope. Kind of what everybody else does anywhere else where they're climbing proper yeah. sport climbs, right? Um, and and so that was the that was the motivation, just to create climbing and climbing in a, in a style, uh, climbing routes in a style that, I mean, seemed pretty obvious everywhere else, and we just weren't embracing to the same degree, right?
0: Yeah, because a lot of, and it, maybe it's because our our crags aren't big. Sure, but the, for a while, even even with bolted stuff, there was, uh, I'm I'm going to use air quotes here, but like an adventurous, Absolutely. kind of approach Absolutely. to it, yeah, um, almost you know like the the. And I don't know how much is this is kind of like a, a hybrid of kind of like almost the British head pointing, you know, because we're Canadian. No, no, absolutely. The and then things, sport for sure. coming together yeah. where, you know, you've got um, crazy runouts in yep. places or, it, you know, needlessly making a mixed route absolutely. where it's like, okay, but you need tanger. like a, a 0.75 because yeah. there's one crack halfway Screw up. Uh, that kind of thing. It, and maybe it's just like I'm super practical that way where it's like. If what, you're if you're climbing a trad route, it's a trad make, route.
2: Make it a trad route. If you're climbing a sport route, make it a sport route. So yeah. part of what you're describing was, was 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 happening because we hadn't created the sport climbing template yet. Mm-hmm. All the pieces were there, but we didn't know how to put them together. So the lack of power drills made it pretty bloody daunting to go place more bolts, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, j- j- just
1: for a yes. quick uh, date check here, and maybe you're dating yourself, or I, I didn't know there weren't power drills. When yeah, I- <laughs> yeah. So when did that come out? Just out of uh, curiosity. Probably
2: so like late 80s. Really? Like, early like, 90s, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. early 90s. Like that's when it became popular and yeah. viable. You yeah, know,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, well, because yeah. you could get a cordless drill that had enough wow. juice. This yeah. is like the, the-
1: industrial age uh, yeah. in climbing.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah no, no. <laughs> it, it, is, it
2: was
1: transformative.
0: People
2: don't understand. Why am I on this route that doesn't have more bolts? Why is there a rusty pin? Because I didn't want to hang that not me.
1: I can see People a t-shirt with me. timelines, power drill. Anyway, yeah, no, <laughs> no, it, it, it was it was quite you know shocking. Piton,
0: hammer drill, yeah. electric drill. This
2: is this is it. So, right, um, sorry.
0: so a lot of the routes, because
3: we
2: were ahead of the curve, were created that way and they never got fixed, right? And then there was also that period where it's like, well, you know, you can't scar the rock with a bolt, but I can scar it with a piton. Uh, and so therefore, you know, you'd say, like you said, if there's a, a cam placement, you'd have a cam placement. And so you'd have these routes with with mostly bolts and then one nut or one cam, which, you know, in hindsight, didn't make a lot of sense. But at the time, maybe fit the evolution of what was happening. Uh, The reason for runouts was clear as well, because, hey, no one else is going to climb this. And the only people sport climbing, this is fascinating. Sport climbing was for the elite. People forget this. Mm -hmm. Like sport climbing got created because hard climbers or climbers who could climb hard, We're running out of stuff to do. And so they ventured onto these blank faces which yielded harder climbing. Mm -hmm. The notion... That you were going to climb moderate sport routes was unheard of. No one was going to waste time bolting five nines. No one. No. So, so, so you would have runouts, yeah. Because there's a route uh, Judgment Day at uh, at Metcalf. Brian Bergman put it up. I remember climbing it with him. And the first opening pitch, which is now bolted, was just like you just you just ran it out because it was like five six, and you ran out for thirty or forty feet. Who knows, right? I mean, I'm exaggerating. Yeah. I I can't remember the last time I did the bloody thing. But it's it's, you know. It was silly. It should have been bolted. But at the time, it didn't matter because people who were going to go climb the 5'12 portion above weren't going to fall on the 5'6. So you didn't do it. So um, And just to drive that point further, just to demonstrate that sport climbing was for the elite, there is the classic... Girlfriend route at every crag. There used to be the girlfriend route, okay? So bear with me. I know the language seems inappropriate for today's you know progressive world. But it was called the girlfriend route. And the girlfriend route, you'd go to a hard crag, mostly thirteens and twelves, and there would be one, five, seven, poorly bolted. Short scrappy piece of rock on the side, right? It was called the girlfriend route. And why was it there? Because you wanted to red point your project and your girlfriend, who didn't climb, or wasn't climbing as hard would probably not be willing to come to the bloody base of the cliff and belay you all day. So you had to put up this moderate easy route that you, she could spend her day top roping that you would lead and she could top rope and you could then go and climb your, your, your proj. Um, and that was the, that was, I I mean, in some ways that was kind of the beginning, at least in North America of like, yeah, moderate sport climbing, right?
0: Well, and and one of the, yeah, Yeah, it's it's very
2: strange where Derived from right,
3: no, no,
0: that's no, interesting. Yeah, one of the cool things we run into now, because you get a lot more female crushers. Sure, is now there's going to be the boyfriend route. Yeah, <laughs> no,
2: absolutely, absolutely, and it's, it's perfectly fine. So I'm, I'm, and I, and again, yeah. I'm just, it's
0: perfectly fine. I'm yeah, all for
2: it. But you're right. You're absolutely you right. Know, you're absolutely right.
0: Because it, it and it, I think we run into the thing too, where we're um, people who are getting into climbing mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. um you know, it, it's going in the Olympics and sure. you've got the movies in the theater and like, you know, they, they see it as this thing but they're coming into it when it's already developed like so far along in its Absolutely. development.
1: They don't understand the history of the culture. Absolutely.
0: What it right. yeah. Out there. And, yeah. And and it's so funny because like when I started, um, I ran into the thing where, where I would ride my bike from Brampton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, out to Milton um, like at 14 years old and I would do, just walk along the base like just some doofy kid, and just watch people climb. Absolutely. And then, you know, some guys, uh, you know, basically probably university students, well, they were, um, said, hey, kid, you, you want to
2: learn the rock climb? You know, you want to try?
0: <laughs> and, they, and they tied me in of with a seatbelt. You, yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and then told me what to go buy if yeah, I wanted yeah. to climb some more. Yeah. And, you know, they sort of mentored me. Absolutely. Right? And it was one of these deals where it was like, when I would tell people at school, because I just started high school, mm-hmm. oh yeah, like I'm rock climbing. Like, yeah. like I think it's the coolest sure, shit. Sure, sure. <laughs> like talk about picking something that will not get you girls. Not at all. Right? Not it was all. just so, one yeah. of those people that is like, you what? Yeah. Why? You know, and it's like, it, it, literally it's that kind of punk rock thing when you are into something so hard. Sure. Right? Like it's almost like a, you know, a hipster. Right? Because uh, like I was into it. And nobody either gave a shit right. or had a clue what the fuck I was talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Right?
2: The fact that you were an outsider was a good thing. Yeah. Well,
0: right. and, it, and it was that, that became like the badge. Yeah. It's yeah. like yeah. along agreed, with my punk agreed. rock t-shirts. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, you, you ran into the thing where uh, my last year of high school, I moved to Cambridge. And now, I, you know, I'd been at it for yeah. three or four years. And so now I was taking people out. Right, right. And now all of a sudden, you being the person that takes people climbing, that did get me girls. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Full circle. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to put your time in.
2: Yeah. And and you bring up a good point, though. Like, like people forget that the sport was an anti-establishment activity. You weren't good enough to play on the hockey team or basketball or baseball. Or you didn't care. And you weren't into those sports. You wanted to do something else. And you took up climbing or you pursued climbing. And and you, it was kind of like you said, it was a badge of honor. Like, yeah, I'm I'm not doing what the mainstream kids are doing, right? Um, and so yeah, you'd curse, you'd you'd smoke cigarettes, you'd you know you you'd behave in ways that are not appropriate today, but you know the sport wasn't intended, wasn't perceived at the time as something that you know everyone was going to do, and you were going to bring your family and you're going to lay out a, a a children's playpen at the base and, and while you climbed, right? Like it was it was a sport for adults. Right? Or, or people on the outside edge yeah. of society, right? A little bit. Right? Well, and
0: and they, like it really was this thing where you didn't, it wasn't a social thing. No. Like there was you and your little bit of misfit gang. That's it, misfits. Um, and it was like, okay, how can I climb more? You would skip school to yep. go climbing. You would, you know, <laughs> run into the thing where. Live where, in the
1: forest. You did that. Yeah. Where'd you do that? Uh,
0: Near Nemo? For the sake of uh, legal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Somewhere in southern
3: Ontario. For nine so, yeah. months? Uh, I, you know. <laughs> goodness.
0: Well, basically, because when I was in, uh, basically like a young adult, I DJ'd. Um, and so you only worked on the weekend. Right. So Week is open. I lived in the. Uh, forest <laughs> <laughs> and like you know it's one of those things i i sort of came up and there's much better ways to do it now but i came up with my own self-belay system <laughs> right 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 uh and it was the thing i would just climb the shit out of stuff all day go you know make my my Heidi camp um you know getting in Work touch with the nature. weekend and then yeah yeah and then i would do basically because my my dad worked in brampton uh so he would go down the 401 every day so literally, like, you know, Monday morning, when he drove to work, I would get dropped off. And, Perfect. You know, and Perfect. then usually, usually, like, depending on when my gigs were, like Thursday or Friday, uh, I would, you know, essentially get picked up by my dad or hitchhike back into town. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's that kind of thing where it was like early dirt biking. So, obviously, you, you ran into the thing of taking and developing routes in established areas. Sure. Um, but one of the other things you're kind of known for is developing new Craig. So, let's take and go through uh, that because people do not have a clue. Um, we'll talk about what it's like putting up a route, and then we'll talk about sort of developing a new Craig. So, obviously, you've done a bunch of stuff up in Lion's Head. Correct. Um, and that was sort of a, an existing Craig already. Right. Right. Um, At the
2: time, it was the place to develop in. The whole notion that there were going to be restrictions climbing there, we're not really on the forefront of anyone's. Uh, uh, we just thought the place would stay open, and so it was a good area. So good, tall area, lots of rock. They didn't have the access issues it has today, not to the same degree. And uh, what we started doing there was my friend uh, Richard English, who's a really great climbing partner, um, still lives in Toronto. Um, what we started doing is we wanted to, that whole notion of like, hey, what have we found when we've gone climbing in other areas? So one of the things we found is like, hey, there ain't a whole lot of sport climbing that requires hanging belays. This is pretty fucking stupid. So we are going to develop an area at Lion's Head and every route we're going to put up is going to be ground up. Mm-hmm. I e, It's going to start from the ground. It's going to go to however high the climbing is, uh, however high it can with viable climbing. And then you're going to lower off. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do this hanging belays. We're not going to force you to top out and belay your partner uh, off of tiny trees. Uh, we're going to create a climbing area that, uh, you know, is like every other climbing area you go to. Uh, So we went there, we started bolting existing lines, uh, sorry, new lines. um, And then we also went back and re-examined some old routes and added bolts to the base and added anchors to a bunch of routes so that they could be climbed as proper sport climbs. Mm. Um, Shit kind of hit the fan because some of my bolts, some folks weren't down with what was going on. I had bolts chopped, gear taken. It kind of soured me on the place, Mm. right? Um, and at that point, Richard and I said, "Well, fuck this. We're, we're just going to find an area that we can develop on our own." And uh, and so we started doing the classic thing. It's winter. Let's start driving, start looking. Topo maps. Uh, Google Maps was not nearly as popular, uh, and satellite images weren't nearly as crisp. So you laid out topple maps. You looked at areas that you think are viable, and you did a lot of hiking. So we spent uh, a winter just like just driving and looking for places. Uh, we stumbled onto Rockwood. And we were like tempted to develop it and then we realized, you know, this isn't a conservation area. It's probably not a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I think there's going to be mm-hmm. access issues. Um so other people have done that yeah, instead. Yeah. <laughs> and it's created access issues so, so names just, shall not and, be and, named. And we were we were nervous about that because we dealt with like tension uh at Lionshead over some of this stuff, and we just didn't want to deal with any of this. Mm. So there was I remember it was in December and I'd been driving up near uh, Near, near Metcalf and I thought there might be a possible ridge of rock there. And I remember with snow on the ground, I stumble in, bushwhacking. I, I promptly get lost. And, uh, and I see this little ridge that's emerging on my left. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll follow this for another 20 minutes. If nothing happens, I'll turn around and bushwhack and hopefully find the car and get home, right? Yeah. Um, and as I kept following the ridge, oh, the rock started appearing. It's looking better and better. And it's like, oh my God, there's a massive fucking cliff here. And um, just to give you an idea how dense the vegetation was, you couldn't even see the top of some of those large walls. Yeah. It was that dense.
1: So, wait, this is actually what is known as the Metcalf? No, the swamp. Metcalf, the swamp. No, swamp. Gotcha. Okay.
2: Yeah, so, um, so it was kind of funny. So, here I am. I'm like completely jazzed up because I'm like, I'm bushwhacking, it's winter, but I found this massive cliff and it's going to be great. And now I've got to find a way to get the hell out of here because um, I'm lost. And so, I, I find a, an easy gully to get to the top of, the, uh, of this cliff and I look across the valley. And I spot another clip across the way. So it's the fucking jackpot in one day. I'm like, this is insane. So <laughs> kind of get a sense of where I am, get back down, bushwhack out to the car, <clears throat> and uh, drive home. Tell Richard we make plans for that weekend to go check out this new crag. The others, the second crag, so we can decide which one we want to start working on. And so I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be the same gong show in terms of, like, long approach, bushwhacking. We're, like, prepared for an epic and we walk down this trail for about 10 minutes, walk uphill for about three minutes, and there's this cliff. And that's the Al-Qaeda cliff mm-hmm. that, we, that, we, that we named because at the time there was this war uh, going on. So, and I'm like, okay, look, here's the deal. The rock quality here is really good. The approach is really short. <laughs> and it's just like low-hanging fruit. Let's yep. build this place. So we did. We, we established mm-hmm. that area, um, spent some time climbing there, obviously. Uh, and then we, uh, we, uh, we turned our attention to the swamp and that was, that was a whole new level of, uh, madness.
1: Oh, it's Uh, so beautiful. We, uh, went there for the Beaver Valley Climbing Festival. That was my first time. I just wanted to hike the place. It's a
2: beautiful area. It is, isn't it? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, All the
1: cricks crevasses and then we brought my kids the week after there's lots yeah. of moderate climbing oh my it's god perfect yeah i mean i only could do a couple <laughs> yeah. but no, it doesn't matter it's just such a beautiful spot to be and, and hang out and...
3: no
2: it's, it's nice to hear that i mean yeah. that was our goal and so that, with that cliff and al-qaeda we kind of just employed modern climbing tactics we're like no yeah. so we did some things there that at the time folks would have probably not been super psyched about um but again it was just like build proper trails you need to build proper trails. People need to stay on this trail to minimize environmental impact. And there's no way anyone's going to come in here and, and use the area if they can't walk in relatively easy. Easily, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, when we came in, they had that. Um, I guess it was a detour t- trail down that yeah. little um, narrow passage. That's right. Super slippery, and then that accident happened. We thought about it afterwards, and then we came back the week later, and it was it was detoured back to uh, the
2: original trail. Uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: and, yeah. and it's um, it's a good thing because well, it's unfortunate that during that accident. They probably had to...
2: They did. They had to use the old trail to get out. Yeah. So, so, I mean, these are some of the things you need to consider when you're doing some of this stuff. And I I think um, what I'm really kind of proud about that cliff is... is, There's a bunch of things I'm proud about that cliff. And again, it was developed with Richard English. uh, My wife, Christine, she was... uh, I mean, she bankrolled the bloody thing. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, uh, the amount of money she poured into that, buying hardware and, and, and just doing the most basic... Crag work, which is not very glamorous, but it's so critical, like building trails and moving Deadfall, and I mean, all that stuff that is not very. It's just, it's not glamorous. People don't want to think about it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The glory comes with the drill, when in fact, what makes an area viable is all this other infrastructure stuff. Yeah.
1: Do you ever get people asking to help out? And yeah, we do. With, uh, oh, uh... By the way,
2: I also want to give huge props to Nathan Kutcher and Rebecca Lewis, because when they came on board, their energy was like massive. Richard English was great, an old climbing buddy. I mean, For I, the I swamp I area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these people were like really critical in terms nice. of the amount of work and energy they put in. Like massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, do people help? Yeah, they want to help. I think sometimes... Um, they don't know what it involves. Yeah. Uh, most of the work that was done at the swamp, all the development was done in the middle of the winter. The, go- the, the, mm. the What happened was, Christine and I would wake up, if the high was going to be minus five that mm-hmm. day up mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. it was worth going and working. Okay. Uh, if it got colder than minus five, yeah. it was like, eh, it might be a little too cold. Uh, but minus five, if you were active and doing stuff, made sense. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I'll tell you what happened. We, we had to cut down trees, create bases all the all those staging areas that you saw all that had to be created you couldn't walk along the base it was so densely vegetated wow i mean i'm I'm not kidding there was i remember sitting there one one year one day and uh we were climbing at this one sector because we started developing it from the other direction Mm -hmm. so where you are Mm -hmm. you came in from that was the last part of the cliff that was developed it was all developed from the other direction so
1: there's another access point
2: there wasn't there is another access point the and so as we've got this cliff mm. almost done, we realized, man, this is a big area. It's going to have like 150, maybe more routes. Um, where are people going to park? So, Because where we were parking, it was a little pullout that could maybe hold eight cars. And we're like, this ain't going to swing, and it's going to cause yeah. access issues because the locals don't want people parking on this bloody road. I can't yeah. blame them. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I, I get it. So after we had built most of the cliff, we then, I then spent I like 10 days, I can't remember how many days, building that trail. From where you came in, from you know the the new parking lot. So we, we literally built that's why we came in, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Wait, 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 wait. You guys built that tra- that parking lot?
2: Uh, not the parking lot, but the trail. The trail off the main trail. That was oh. like that trail. Once you once you get off oh, the main bush yeah, yeah, type yeah. trail, that yeah. took about ten days to build. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And people like this is the work that nobody wants to do, right? Or really? if people, well, it's harder you than, than that. you think. It's harder than you think to get folks out. Yeah. And then it's also problematic because the ideal time to do mm-hmm. it is usually when the weather's kind of crappy.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Gotcha.
2: Um, And then to be blunt, some of the things you have to do, not everybody's going to be down with it because, you know, it's like you're, you're disturbing nature. Well, we are, briefly, yeah, so that we can create an area that doesn't cause more disturbance, right? Right, right. And so people sometimes... Can't see the forest from the trees. Horrible cliche. And yeah. what
1: about in the summer, or spring? Is there other opportunities to maintain or help? Yeah, you out
2: I there? mean, what I always tell folks is like, hey, you know, if you're going into an area that has a long approach and you see a log that's fallen over, we'll you pick know, it up. Yeah. Yeah, get it out of the way. Bring yeah. a small folding saw to cut stuff yeah. and move it out of the way. A little pair of loppers on your way in in the spring makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nature it's amazing how quickly that area rebounded after it was it was initially mm-hmm. uh cleared and and, and developed right yeah. and it it, it needs tra- it needs traffic and it needs people maintaining areas right
1: so you developed that one when that did you cliff. St- when did you find it
2: when did we find it yeah probably what year? uh
1: i, I my memory's sure
0: it's 2000 guess.
2: and something. I don't okay. know. 2004,
0: 2005.
1: Okay. Maybe. And then when area. was it, um, when did people
2: open it? That turned into a real gong show. Okay. Um, people were, so people had heard mm-hmm. and were people were calling us out on social media at the time uh, saying we're trying to keep this place secret and private and mm-hmm. didn't want to share. it. And mm-hmm. I always found that really quite amazing because I was bolting five sixes and, uh, and I was like, oh, that's really kind of funny. You think I'm keeping this because I want to, Climb five six right, so oh, okay. it kind of rubbed me and Christine the wrong way, and and Nate and Rebecca as well. Sure, and we could have probably put in maybe another fifteen or twenty more routes there, um, but we eventually had to pull everything and get out because there were too many people coming by to climb. Right. Okay, and uh, and it was horrible because like when you're when you're cleaning an area, when you're developing mm. an area, you don't want people at the base because
0: like, you're pulling loose, rocks
2: loose oh, rock, loose rock, all sorts of shit. Right, like yeah. you just don't want people don't- there. Um it's not ready. It's not ready. And yeah. it's like trust me. It was going to be it was going to be open for everyone. We weren't going to keep it to ourselves. That right. was never the goal. Yeah. I, it was the goal was like hey, we want to develop an area that really demonstrates what sport climbing is like everywhere else, right? Right. And here, and you can have it at every grade as well. We're not going to keep it as an elitist area either. Yeah. Um so we went in and we literally said uh, and Dave Smart was actually helped us with a bunch of routes as well. I mean, we said, when Richard and I started, we said, we're going to develop every route starting left to right, mm-hmm. regardless of the grade. just like, just literally go down gotcha. the cliff and rather than cherry pick and leave stuff, mm-hmm. we're just literally going to move across and, and bolt and equip everything that was worth uh, climbing.
1: So how many climbs are there today?
2: Over 150 routes.
1: Holy shit. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: And so if, if anybody who's, you know, wow. new to climbing in the last five years, uh, Basically, each bolt's going to cost about five bucks. Yeah, right. Realistically, um, and a hanger, sort of in the same. So yeah, uh, uh, and yeah. then your anchors are more. Yep. So if you climbed a sport rope uh, that, let's say, it's got eight bolts. And anchors, you're probably looking at about 120 bucks for the hardware. Yeah,
2: absolutely, and that doesn't right? take into account uh, the individual's time, their gas, the fact that they could be doing other things, mm-hmm. uh, the, the drill they need, all the, the, the tools they need, yeah, yeah. drill Which bits, do. yeah, like yeah, all that stuff. But the, this is
0: just a thing to understand: is that the the nobody's given them the money for it. No, you know. Although uh, I'm just going to do a quick aside. Um, uh, Gus's website: ontarioclimbing.com. If you go there, there is a link, like in the forum. There's a link to the gear hardware fund, yeah. the yeah. hardware fund. If you enjoy climbing in Ontario, um, go donate. Thanks, man. Um, that means a lot because it, it just comes into a thing. Like right now, most developers, obviously, some of the stuff the OEC's has done, they've they've raised some money and sure. what have you. But most routes that you climb, it came out of the route developer's pocket
2: almost exclusively. You know, uh, th- this is the case. Almost, yeah. I, I mean it's it's infrequent when when somebody it when the funding comes from some third party it's usually out of the developer's pocket right this is why i said christine my wife i mean the amount of money she threw at this cliff was staggering so here's a funny story we were living in a basement apartment in downtown toronto and when we were developing it and we're trying to build the trail into the swamp we thought okay you know what we'll uh we have a little bow saw and it'll be fine we'll be able to cut some trees out of the way mm. and build this trail and i you know we need to buy a bigger bow saw yeah. we bought a bigger bow saw yeah and I'm like man we might need Rent a chainsaw for a day. Mm-hmm. We rented the chainsaw. We rented the chainsaw again and said, it's going to take longer than a couple of days with the chainsaw. So we need to buy a chainsaw. So yeah. we're living in a basement, 560 square foot basement apartment, and we go buy a, a steel MS 260, which is the smallest pro saw they make. <laughs> And then we sent it off and got it hot rotted. so it had a little more power to weight ratio. The power to weight ratio was better, and I've got some safety gear so I didn't kill myself. And uh, it was about 700 dollars worth of chainsaw. And and I like, we didn't have a lawn. You know what I mean? Like when we were yeah. when we were living, there was this was purchased to develop this cliff. I didn't begrudge it. It was kind of cool, but you know, Christine paid for that. I mean, like she she had she her earning at the time was better than mine. So mm-hmm. the fact that. Like that just shows you the the amount of crazy gear you end up having to purchase and the amount of money you end up spending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Nate was the same way. All the, all those gluons are expensive. It literally is being funded out of people's pockets. Hmm. It's uh, it's I mean, talk about giving back to a community, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it's it's an incredible sport where people will do this out of their own pocket on their own time when they could be climbing. That's yeah. what people forget.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's one of those things. Like if you guys want to, uh, you know, basically help out. Um. Don't think. Okay. Well, I'm going to go start putting up roads. Like because there's and you're going to have run into this a lot. Um, you've got to choose right raw quality area access. You know, there's there's so much shit going on. So many right? variables. And that... so there's nothing to say don't aspire to get to that point. But um, I know that there are going to be people who go, oh, I can do that. Yep. They mm-hmm. buy a Hilti. Yep. And then they start fucking up by making routes you, in places they just, don't belong. You've
2: just nailed it. You've just nailed it. And then and then that and in today's environment where access is such a huge concern, um, you just you just can't afford to be doing this shit. You just yeah. you just can't afford to be making those kinds of mistakes. And they've happened this summer. I mean, somebody was very eager to develop roots, went and bolted this thing. It was a fucking giant Jenga pile of, of loose blocks, and you know, in the process, mm. cut down a bunch of trees that didn't need to be removed. And it, it just it just. It was unnecessary, right? And it didn't add anything to the area. In fact, it it, it was more problematic that it had been put up. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, and it's it's like their intentions were gold, right? Yeah. So it's good. It's good. I'm I'm super psyched you want to do yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. and give back. But maybe they could just this, connect with you. And absolutely. Other ways and to have conversations support. with the small yeah. community that's very eager to share. For yeah. the most part, nobody's keeping like secrets. Yeah. It's like yeah. what, are you, what are you doing? Let's mm. let's just work together.
0: Yeah, because it, and I guess that's one of the problems you run into with. Uh, there isn 't like a, a, a standard Mm-mm. right of you know that you can go to route developing bolting school
2: <laughs> <laughs> there is not one here yeah you know <laughs> no um, because no.
0: and and there's it, it 's one of those things too that uh people don 't quite get is that um you find this cliff it 's covered in vegetation oh, no. and loose rock. You're going to be, you know, there with um, crowbars. Crowbars, absolutely. You know, and and partway lower yourself from the top. All your your rope is sort of bundled so you don't drop shit on it. Absolutely. And you're prying the loose crap off. You're taking a brush and scrubbing the shit out of stuff. Yeah. You know, because these beautiful exposed rocks that we climb on occasionally you'll get natural areas that that exist that way
2: but but in many cases you need to help them along yeah (laughs) to be quite delicate because the
0: the loose shit's got to be down because it's going to kill somebody if it falls um and then it's dirty
2: absolutely and 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 then there's other sections where look this is a really loose feature it's too big to knock off it's kind of important and then you end up having to reinforce it with stainless steel rods right so like there's Um, all these it's it's really crazy engineering and it's really quite funny christine at the time was working uh had gone up to uh, a mining uh project in northern ontario to oversee some of the uh processes that were taking place and she comes back and she goes dude what you guys are doing with those steel rods mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. it's exactly what they're doing uh at, at, in the mines to keep them from collapsing just oh, on a larger wow. scale so yeah. she felt really good about the the solution that we had come yeah. across on our own she an
1: engineer what is
2: uh she works in occupational health and safety gotcha uh so her uh, yeah yeah, she was a consultant She's at very the time. Yeah, weird. so she she wants to yeah make sure nobody gets killed. Yeah, uh, so it was quite good. It was quite. She, so when she came back, she goes, that, "That's exactly what they're doing to keep the mines from collapsing. Good on you." Yeah,
1: <laughs> that would be a cool documentary. You know, from the search of yeah yeah over yeah. time to capture
0: that. You know, and I think I think part of the mm. the reason why you don't see a lot of that in like the broader climbing, I think the the making of the sausage, so to speak. You've nailed it is, you know, it's like, oh, you're wrecking nature. It's like, well, do you want clean you rock want to that isn't going to or kill you? you to climb to, here or not? you got to yeah. clean it up.
2: Yeah, do you want to climb? And people don't get that. And that is the classic thing. It's like everybody loves sausages. Nobody wants to be around when they're being made, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, that's why the route there is, uh, Nate called that one route the sausage factory, mm-hmm. right? Because we had been joking about this stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's exactly it. It's like people want to climb this. It's a great 5.9. Nobody wants to see what happens to, what's involved in making it a 5.9 that's worth climbing. Yeah.
0: Um, well, you know, that, that, and that's funny because it just wouldn't, uh, you know. You said sausage factory, that made me think about sort of the the current. Um, I'm, I'm I'm not even going to be delicate about it, but uh, the the, I guess we'll call it controversy about route name. Sure. Right now, because because we understand that that one um, sausage factory came about because people don't want to see sort yeah. of how the sausage is made, and you know, nice metaphor. Sure. But then somebody else could think it's about dicks. Uh, uh, yeah, no, right?
2: it's, it's. I completely agree. Yeah, no, And then absolutely. they get offended, right? Yeah, and and yeah.
0: climbing, um, you know, when you you run into this as a guidebook author, yep, is that you're getting people offended about route names. Mm-hmm. From twenty or thirty years ago, Absolutely. or longer, or longer, because mm-hmm. um, it's funny. Like old route names were the Becky Number Three Route, or you know the Schunard Route, or the Backhardyrian, right? Yeah, yeah like yeah. everything. Yeah. Everything's named after yeah. whoever did yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and then people went, yeah, but I've got you know a hundred routes up. Sure, so sure. We need something. And, and,
2: and I'm a young teenage kid who's anti-establishment, and I'm going to piss on the previous generation's grit, naming and 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 their tweed jackets and their in their helmets and I'm gonna show them right and it's just classic rebellion right? yeah and, so we're, and, and, we're gonna and, say
0: something like like you know juvenile yeah. or rude yep. or absolutely. you know offensive or whatever you know
1: or something's poetic and it just went over your head
0: yes yeah. <laughs> yes um, I mean
2: can absolutely. you give us some examples of
1: that or oh
2: listen absolutely there's a classic route uh, a female belay slave uh, which you know depending on how you look at it could be problematic um,
0: you'd so, think with Fifty Shades of Grey it'd be very it'd popular be probably <laughs> very popular <laughs>
2: <laughs> very good i like where you're going with this um so the root, uh reg smart root and uh and and you know if you don't know the history you're like man that's kind of rude and it's like no no you don't get it um uh, at the time reg was uh was involved with a gal named wendy and uh, eventually married i don't know if they were married at the time but uh, super like 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 a strong woman right like not, a, not not as much into climbing but a strong woman like super cool gal um and so she had been belaying him on all these routes all summer long, and she goes, "Man, I'm just becoming like your female belay slave." And they all laughed about it and said, "That's a great root name for this thing," and that she she came up with the root name, mm-hmm. right? So and now people are offended. Now people, some people are, you know, offended by it, and and you know they don't understand the camaraderie that existed there and the friendships and and the context, and and they instantly jump to the most negative and 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 divisive uh, view of what that term means, right? Or could mean that name anyway. So I, that's kind of frustrating because I think it speaks again to the history of climbing and the community that exists and the people that were involved. And, uh, and 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 I've said this before, I think sometimes even even if the route is overtly offensive by today's standards, it's also, if you look at when it was put up, it could be used as a landmark, as, as a milestone to, to, to kind of gauge how far we've moved forward. And so rather than expunging the shit and pretending it didn't exist and, and getting rid of it because somebody might get offended, it's like, why don't we use it as an opportunity to discuss where climbing came from, uh, what some of the norms existed back then that aren't viable today, and see how far we've moved forward.
0: Yeah, well, because one of the things that that I've always wondered, um, because, you know, uh, in case of full disclosure, you know, I'm a a white, like cisgendered, (laughs) straight, middle-aged male, Um, so, you know, I I have uh, not experienced too much of the oppressions or anything. Um, But... One of the things that you run into is this idea that, uh, you know, because some names of routes might be rude or right. n- little, little dirty or yep. whatever, cheeky, yeah. Um, basically, somehow keep people from like uh, 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 keep it from being inclusive. Right. Yet, when I go to the cliff these days, I see tons of women, sure, just female teams. Uh, They're not yeah, with their boys. No, no, no absolutely. Oh, I yeah. see. Asians, yep, like so, like like East Asians, Southeast Asians, um, absolutely. You know, we, it's one of these things where, yeah. we're and I, and I am seeing dudes from the Middle East. Uh, uh, no, of course, uh, of course. You know, there is yep. those Eastern European guys we run into all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the one guy's got to stop doing the thing of he leads the sport route, then cleans it, and then his buddy top ropes it on the rings. Uh, If you do that, please stop it. Um, It prematurely wears the rings. Use your own hardware. You know, watch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, But but watch Cody Bradford. He can show you some tips on how to do an easily cleanable. Um, So you can essentially clean it ahead of time and not prematurely wear the hardware. Uh, If it's got chains, if it's just rings, then even just a couple of quick draws. Right. Bring
2: your quick draws. That's where you have them. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And then, you know. Climb so it again, the hassle from, like uh,
2: having folks have to go back and. Well, and, and, and it,
0: here's one them. thing that I would say to anybody is uh, when Catherine and I climb together, um, I usually climb it first, mm-hmm. and then she gets to top rope it. She's been leading sure. some stuff recently, but then because she doesn't clean it, I get to climb it again. again of course, <laughs> so I get more climbing.
2: <laughs> You're like, I, I, this is perfect. I get to climb it again. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. well, it's just it's it's yeah. laps,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. So so look on the bright side and don't you know top rope off the fixed hardware because that's out of somebody else's pocket. I don't see you ponying up to put new rings there. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that's one of those little, thank you. Thank you. You know? uh, Yeah.
1: And I think too, you've got yourself Gus, and others that are very experienced and do not need to, you know, put up a new route. That's a five, six, five, seven. You're not doing it for yourselves. No, no. So this idea of, um, you know, uh, the older generation or whatever, not welcoming new ones. That's not true at all.
2: I, 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 don't think so. Um, you know, um, it's it's funny all these moderate routes. Uh, I don't begrudge putting them up. I, I, I enjoy the process, but they're definitely not for me. I mean, I see the the need, right? Maybe
0: maybe in ten or fifteen years, they'll look they will be back for you perhaps,
2: again. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe what you're saying is just insurance.
0: Yeah, uh, so, so that way that way, old gas is going to have gonna some works. saunter up there in my you know, walker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: but but it's 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 like it's clear that there's a need for routes at this grade, right? Because more people are coming out to try to enjoy the sport that I love so dearly right so i don't begrudge them for loving the same thing i love or wanting to participate Mm -hmm. in the sport Mm -hmm. that has been so transformational for me Mm -hmm. uh so yeah we're gonna help create infrastructure you know to be quite blunt that Mm -hmm. will allow them to enjoy the sport right and in the past it used to be well you you mentored and you climbed five zeros and five ones on gear until you until you learn how to climb on gear efficiently that's not the case anymore today people want to get on sport routes Understandable. Let's build some sport routes for them. There's hey, a ton of scrappy rock.
1: Do you get any money from the OAC or any folks like that?
2: No. Um, I mean, no, 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 no,
1: okay. no, no, <laughs> no, no, huh. no. You know. but, but you know what? Like the OAC. I'm just saying. Like I the mean, OAC
2: is a great community. And to be quite, like what's interesting is that it's mostly... People like us anyway. So, yeah, like, like Randy Kibasovitz is there, and guess what? He funds all his hardware out of his own pocket yeah. too.
1: No, but I, I truly believe as a as a newbie, and I should put my money where my mouth is, and I will. Um, you know that. Why not just communicate that, or yeah. you know. No, and, and I mean maybe it's something the OAC. We, fight, we are fighting for the same cause. And Absolutely, and, and maybe the OAC. This is
2: something that could be discussed. You know, for them, like they could have an internal conversation. I think some of the fears are like, how do we designate who gets the cash? Yeah, sure. and then are we then accountable for what gets established? Right. So this is where it becomes difficult for mm. them. I think as an organization to dole cash out gotcha. uh, or, or, or hardware out because it's as you said, there's yeah. no school that says, hey, you're a certified developer. That's true. So it's like, how do we ensure that when we give this stuff out, it gets used to put roots up? So For me, the little money that does come into the hardware fund that Mm -hmm. we run off of, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. OntarioClimbing.com, we tend to give it to anybody who's either replacing hardware Mm -hmm. or looking to establish moderate climbs. I'm not interested in funding people's vanity projects. If you want to put up your 514, Mm -hmm. fill your boots, do it out of your own pocket, because that's not going to help the community to the same degree as having more moderate sport climbs or having old sport climbs that are being used heavily Updated. That's where the biggest wins. Yeah, occur. but
1: I do believe like places like Radot, like Halton Region, yeah. they should collect money. I think there should be. Honestly, that was there a should funded- be a permit. Yeah. System. If you want to climb, yeah. you have to have a permit. They do this for bouldering in Niagara Falls, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, and along with that, maybe some money. That money goes towards that would be great replacement of uh, yeah, beer, hardware. Uh, hard yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's, the rattlesnake
2: project may have been partially funded by Halton. I don't know. I yeah. know they, they agreed to it. They yeah. were totally in favor of it.
1: That makes sense.
2: Um and so and I'll tell you the reason that was such a huge win from from so many levels is because it helped take some of the pressure off of Mount Nemo, mm-hmm. and they halton are concerned about the impact nemo is receiving Mm -hmm. right and they're like we can't have this place turn into rattlesnake and rattlesnake to some degree is much better suited to uh dealing with those crowds the talus base will not erode right not not to the same degree that uh, nemo will where you have a lot of a lot of soil exactly and there's no vegetation there to be trampled so it's a great area to have Mm -hmm. larger uh more traffic and much of the cliff wasn't being used so why not put it to good use right Yeah. Like it had old quote unquote established routes that nobody was doing because mm-hmm. they were just sh- I don't want to call them shitty but they were like yeah they were kind of shitty trad routes that nobody cared about on loose mm-hmm. rock right mm-hmm. so if you bolt them you clean them suddenly you've got something that's maybe more viable and 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 adds and adds to the area right so there's like 30 plus sport routes there, mm-hmm. right? A, a, a moderate standard. It's a great little area, mm-hmm. easy access. You got stairs leading to the base. Oh,
3: totally. You know, uh, yeah. it gets
2: sunlight, so it's warm in the spring. It's mm-hmm. warm late in the fall, and it will dry faster than any other cliff in mm-hmm. the Milton region,
0: right? Yeah, and it's it's like if you combine that with uh, the routes over at Bottle Glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, you got like you got a
2: little yeah viable area. Uh,
0: yeah, you know, like I I'd like to see like. Uh, Kelso get done?
2: Yes, and and it you know you know it'll, it's all negotiations yeah. and all that kind all of back, jazz. All back talk, yeah. And yeah. I mean, right now, one of the big things we're trying to do is ensure we the OAC uh, is is trying to get uh, uh, um, the turtle
0: reopened, right? Yeah. Uh, let's, that was let's, a, let's let's talk about that one because uh, sure, yeah, well, um, that was a lovely experiment
2: that didn't last. <laughs>
0: yeah. So so for those of you don't know, um, basically uh, turtle is a crag that you developed
2: with, with a, a number of other folks yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah um, absolutely uh and because it was in cooperation with the landowner you know, which is on private property
2: it was unheard of in southern ontario the private landowner allowed us to equip a cliff on their land for us to go climbing it was it was like first of all we're like well, it's a nice little piece of rock. Uh, unfortunately, the guy's house is down the hill. Mm-hmm. And when the leaves are not on the trees, you can see the house. It's not that far away. You get, like 100 meters, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and, you know, we bumped into him. It's like, hey, what do you think? And he goes, yeah, I'm a climber. I used to climb in the past. Said, go, go ahead. Just just fill your boots. It'll be fine. I'm like, you sure it's going to be popular? He goes, I'm sure it's going to be OK. I'm like, all right. We developed it. There was about 20-plus uh, moderate sport routes from 5.5 maybe to 5.11. Mostly 5.10 and under, right? Uh all properly bolted, uh, good bolt spacing, proper anchors. The base, we, oh my God, the base was beautifully stabilized. We did a bunch of work there to make sure to minimize erosion, put up big signs, wooden signs outlining uh, uh, best practices. You know, keep the radios down, don't take a shit in the guy's backyard. You know, beer and bongs at home, no hammocks, keep your dog on a leash. Better yet, if your dog has barking issues, don't bring them. Maybe not a good place to bring a big group. Like really simple stuff, right? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And we all took bets on how long it would take before it closed. Uh, and it actually took longer than we expected. Uh, I, I thought maybe by midsummer, but it, it actually went until that fall season. And it got closed because, um, because people just couldn't adhere to some of those simple, simple yeah, things, right? Yeah. The, the noise level and the landowner said, look, it's just too bloody noisy. You know, even though you're telling people to keep their voices down. I mean, yeah. we put that. In. It was an infographic. You didn't even have to learn read. It was it was an infographic in the little guidebook we published, as well as in that sign. It was an infographic. You could just look at the symbols and kind of figure out what they're talking about, right? Yeah, and yeah. And yet yeah. people couldn't behave. And we had folks go there and tell me because I didn't climb there when it was open. After it got opened, I just I didn't bother going. Also because I didn't want to see it get closed. And uh, and people were saying, yeah, we went there and it was an absolute zoo. No. Like. It, it, the place at twenty plus routes, you can't bring thirty people, like mm-hmm. thirty of your closest mm-hmm. friends, mm-hmm. and go climbing there, right? On top of everyone else who's yeah. going, and so people didn't get it, and it's a shame. It's a lovely little cliff, but there is, and there are talks uh, discussions are in place right now to try to get the place open. And I think what's going to happen is there'll be a permit system, a permit system, yeah, which will limit the number of people that can go per day. Yeah. So there will be no more than let's say twelve bodies there, or you know, per 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 day at, at one time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, because yeah, that—hang that, that,
1: and, and on a second—liability too for him. Like, is that?
2: It's not an issue. Uh, the, is so why? there's there's the landowners uh, occupational liability act, and this was—I remember this—I uh, remember being a kid and getting these little flyers at home, and it was uh, this liability act that the province put forward, and mm-hmm. it simply said it was based primarily at snowmobilers or hunters or other people that use the outdoors, and it said, listen, if you're on someone's property, mm-hmm. hunting, fishing, uh, 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 snowmobiling, whatever more more con- traditional outdoor mm-hmm. activities right mm-hmm. uh, you know um uh, and as long as they haven't done anything to uh, overtly try to injure you if you get hurt you can't sue them because mm-hmm. you're saying i'm, I'm going to recreate on your land and, and yeah. you're not putting up giant pits for me to fall into therefore you're not responsible so i don't think landowners are really all that liable i don't um and i think there's a misconception. And, I, and and there is the reality where they just may not want to deal with it at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who do you think would uh, manage that permit system?
2: I think the OAC will have something online. That's cool. And you'll be able to do it online just like you do for some of the places at the Red, right? Uh, and then there will be somebody patrolling uh, at the base checking for permits. And your permit will probably be digital on your phone yeah. and mm-hmm. demonstrate whether mm-hmm. you've done or not. Maybe mm-hmm. You'll be asked to leave if you're not there, right? Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. I mean, it's free for for fuck's sakes. <laughs> you know? And you mm-hmm. you climbing in some guy's backyard. It's a oh, privilege. Oh,
1: totally. Oh, totally. And that's that's what gets me is I don't think it's unreasonable at all no, to I don't ask, think so. p- you know, that yeah. that permit is uh for a fee. Yeah. Um especially And
2: even a- if it isn't for a fee, like that's my whole point. It's like it's
1: like it, we're not asking too much. It should be. It should be. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It, it really should. It may cause an issue. If you if- can
1: if you can afford you know, uh oh, harness, gear. all sure. the gear, like, you like, go and go and it doesn't to have to be
0: a super expensive no. fee. No, no, but
1: you should for and replacement it, of hardware, whatever. Yeah, what yeah. yeah. and
0: maybe
2: it could be a donation fee, right? Mm-hmm. Where where you donate to the OEC for hardware re- regrouping. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think when the landowner starts to take uh, money,
0: then, then they assume liability. then they
2: assume yes. some liability. Yes, so that right. might be an but issue. You said
1: that the landowner is a rock climber too, right? Yeah,
2: but he does, and he doesn't want to. Like he's like, yeah, he used to be, yeah, his kids, yeah, so, yeah. So So I, I I mean, yeah,
1: we're lucky in many ways. It was a great little experiment
2: and it was like, like it was amazing when it was, when, when it opened, how popular it was. Mm -hmm. And we did a really nice job with that cliff. Like Mm -hmm. just, you know, in, in every respect, not just building it, but also making sure the bases were stable. There was one particular slope that was quite steep. And so the terracing there had to be quite extensive to minimize that erosion, right? Yeah. Which would happen because there were like three moderate sport climbs there Mm -hmm. and it was just going to get chewed up. So we did a really nice job with that whole area. Um, built in a little uh small uh, belay station practice station so you could practice lowering before nice. you got to the top right nice. just things that made it really suitable for new climbers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so back to like being exclusive right mm-hmm. and wanting to keep areas to myself or using root names to drive people away mm-hmm. this is not the case most yeah. most developers and most climbers today they they want to encourage climbers oh god climbers, I, don't, right? I
1: don't think i've met any asshole uh, rock climbers yeah. anywhere in in the
0: gym. Or... There, there's obviously some out there because they're getting, <laughs> getting getting Craig's closed <laughs> because they won't yeah. follow. Yeah, it's, it's, no,
1: a... I hear that. But in terms of being inclusive and welcoming, yeah. and, and and you know, giving you tips to help you, like, absolutely. Mm. Well, and and I as think, a new climber,
0: I think one of the things what we run into with it is that uh, when you get people that, and I'm just going to point out, like use Toronto as the example um, because you know. Uh, everybody makes fun of Toronto. It's the center of the uh, universe, yeah. right? So, so you learned gym climbing at you know Joe Rockhead's or whatever, one what, of the what downtown what indoor, indoor gyms. Yep, yeah. um, but you you've never had experience outdoors. That's exactly it. You um, nailed it. You know you're not an outdoors person. person. That's it. Um, so you you run into the thing where it's like oh man, and you see the magazines and the Adam and yeah. you know uh, then you go climbing outside and you don't know etiquette. Yep. You don't know where to shit. Yep. Basic um, stuff. You know, <laughs> and, and it's all these kinds of things where you just go, oh, okay. So we, we have levels that we need to teach you like yeah. good climbing practices Literally. to keep you safe. Gym to crag and, and, mm-hmm. and Like an almost like a, 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 even like just the sort of that level beyond I, that yeah. these areas can't, they're not a gym. Nobody's well, cleaning up. Nobody, it, like, they... they. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your not,
2: parents are coming by to pick up after you. Yeah. You know. and, and, and I say that, you know, I don't want to sound like a dick saying that, but it, it's... it. You know what's happening is I think in the past, we all got were drawn into climbing because we did stuff in the outdoors, right? Mm-hmm. So we did mm-hmm. stuff in the outdoors and climbing seemed like a natural th- another thing to do in the outdoors. Right. And so we had that understanding. is like, hey, you know what? <laughs> don't shit here. Don't piss here. Yeah. You know, behave, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to minimize your impact. And I think today because people are coming into the activity without that background. It, it is, yeah, there, there's a gap there. There's a learning gap. There's an education gap. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know that people are intentionally wanting to be, you know, problematic at these areas. I think the reality is most of them don't get it. And it is sometimes frustrating to more experienced individuals, mm-hmm. outdoors people mm-hmm. who are like, how can you not get it? Like, don't shit there. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's the trail. Why are you taking a, a dump right on the bloody trail for God's yeah. sakes? Right. Um, so yeah, these these are these are challenges, and and uh, and they're and they're problematic because the number of climbers has just ballooned. Yeah. Like, it's just it's never been more
3: popular. Yeah. Well,
0: because w- was it l- not last week, but maybe the week before we went to Rattlesnake, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, because it was when, but just before we went down to, to uh it's Adirondacks. No, Alyssa and Eric, because mm. uh, we climbed that day. That's right. And literally every um, sport climb at Rattlesnake uh-huh. yeah, it was, was, cool. taken. was <laughs> taken. Yeah. 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 You know, so it just speaks to
2: how popular the sport is, right? You know, it's
0: just one of those things. It's like, because I pretty much got them all memorized now, sure. so it's like I don't even pop out the guidebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know like, what's there, yeah. You know, it's like, nope, 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 uh, nope, nope, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. <laughs> well, we got to hike in, and then just as we get back, somebody had gotten off something. You jumped on that. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll do that, Yeah. So, you know, and then got around the corner, and we did another one. It's like, well. I guess we're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was more of a hike than a climbing, than a climbing day. You know, but no, right. exercise cool. is exercise. Being outside uh, is cool. You know, but it, it is, it's that kind of thing where, mm. where like the traffic is Huge. that kind of thing that just blows yeah. me away.
2: And, and I think when people say, well, you know, uh, the answer is less routes. we should chop these moderates, don't give these resources. I, I feel like saying, you know, to me, I, I, I have a hard time accepting that because, First of all, the horse has left the barn, right? Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. You know, all these mm-hmm. horrible cliches. But it's true. It's like, listen, it's out there. People like the, people like the same thing you like. Yeah. Go figure, right? So h- pretending that we're not going to, uh, sorry, attempting to not allow them to enjoy that by not creating roots that are moderate, to me, seems incredibly selfish and, and short-sighted. Um, so yeah, the answer is, how do you educate? How do you manage the resource? How do you, if if necessary, create more moderate sport routes in areas that aren't being used for much? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I don't know. I, I but but telling people not to go rock climbing, I don't think is the answer. No, I really and I, I, I it's guess
0: it, it's funny because like uh, I I kind of look at the thing, the fact that we've got anything. I agree. Um, like I've been to Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. There ain't no climbing. There, no, there ain't no climbing, man. You know. <laughs> Um, You're driving a long time. Yeah, like, you know, uh, the whole, like, center of Canada uh, and the U.S. Uh, Midwest, and mm-hmm. um, so the fact that we've got rock, mm. um, you know, with Halton, we have a conservation yep. authority that actually, you know, is very pro-climbing. Pro-climbing, yeah, very much um, so. Because if you compare it to Grand River. Yeah,
2: completely not.
0: Yeah, it's like, no, you uh, can't do anything. Can't do anything, anything here. No mountain biking, no climbing. Nothing. It's right? insane. Um, wow. And, you know, same deal, like, provincial parks. Yeah. Like, I know the OEC is, like, talking trying, to them. yeah,
3: yeah.
2: But yeah. You can climb in other provincial parks across Canada, not in Ontario. Which yeah. Again, crazy. yeah, like you've
0: only got Bon Echo.
2: Well, but there are other areas that could be developed. Yeah.
0: And that's well, that's the thing. Like, I've, I've, I've backpacked in Killarney.
2: You know what the rock... The amount of rock there is, that and guy. the quality
0: yeah. is amazing. amazing. Absolutely, right? Like yeah. that would be prime. Yeah. yeah,
2: and there are other areas that I can't talk about, but uh, mm-hmm. not, not openly, but where that have immense bouldering potential. Like again, provincial yeah. parks and other areas where there are cliff faces. We're like, yeah, this could be totally viable if we developed it. Again, provincial parks, not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Not going to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think that is also one of the pluses, though, of the influx of new climbers. Sure. Because politicians will do what the masses want. Absolutely. right? Yeah. voices are larger, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so the fact that, that there's more people... Yeah. Like, it's funny uh that... And I don't, I don't know if it's completely changed, but it, we went from the businessman thing was golf... Yeah. ...to then... Uh, you know, mm-hmm. ten years ago, yep. the businessman thing was cycling. cycling. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Rock and now, climbing. now yeah. it's becoming rock yeah. climbing.
1: I agree. People so, in tech, it's huge. Yeah. So,
2: so the thing that's interesting is you mentioned earlier, like people want to somehow contribute and get involved, yeah. right? The single most important and simplest thing they could do mm-hmm. is buy an OAC membership, mm-hmm. and and I and I keep stressing that because it gives the OAC bargaining power mm-hmm. when they can show that we are representing 10,000 people mm-hmm. rather than 1,000 people. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Right. So that number. So who are you? with the OAC. Uh, how many folks do you represent? We represent, you know, 10,000. folks. Oh, perhaps we should listen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As opposed to, Oh, you represent 50, 50 folks who live at other yeah, bands. Yeah. 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 Sorry. We don't yeah. care. Or yeah. we're not a priority. Right. Mm-hmm. So that is something that every climber in Southern Ontario should become, should do right now. Just go to the OAC website, uh, Ontario Alliance of Climbers and, and purchase a bloody $5 membership. It's a and lifetime. It's, yeah, it's $5 mm-hmm.
0: for lifetime people. I know, I like, know. You know, and it's one of these yeah. kind of no-brainer things yeah. because the more voices, you know, it's like signing a petition. That's exactly right. It. The more people that are on it, then when they try to negotiate uh, for access or any of these types of things, you're, you're going to run into the, the deal of going, Yeah. well, I guess obviously if you've got that many people that's yeah. what people want.
2: Absolutely, we need to we need to acknowledge that cool. you guys are out there, and we need to somehow yeah. find a way to manage it. Yeah, you know, yeah.
0: and and because you run into the thing, rock is uh, a finite resource. Sh, yes, like and well, at least in Ontario, um, it, it was funny. Climbable
2: rock is a finite resource. This is what people yeah. forget. You get lots, you got hundreds of miles, uh, kilometers. Not all of it is worth climbing on, right? Yeah.
0: Well, the funny thing because we we were down in Utah a couple of years ago, and I was talking to a, <laughs> a, a guy. Um, and like one of the little Mm -hmm. door stores in this tiny little village, like Escalante. Right. And, you know, I was like, oh, have you guys done any climbing, you know, on like 50 mile ridge? Right. Like it's, it's 50 miles of 1500 foot high sandstone. Sandstone, yeah. Right. But it's, it's a bit of a haul to get in and, and they're like, nah, we've not really started on that yet. It's, you know, like we, we've got other stuff. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Like literally, like. 50 miles yeah. you know and it's not all going to be pristine like it's find, good.
2: yeah worthy stuff. so we yes. ran into the same thing in ontario where we were busy developing lion's head and white bluff and uh and you know there's a gem further up the peninsula taller mm-hmm. uh lovely rock immense potential and we were just like oh yeah we'll get to it eventually we'll get to it eventually we'll get to it eventually eventually it became a nature preserve and we're never going to get to it because it's now closed mm-hmm. right and um yeah, you know, you, there's a tendency to want to hit the low-hanging fruit first. Yeah, yeah. And 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 there's a, per, a perception that you know uh, it'll always be there, and and in some cases it will not always be there. No, you know, especially some routes think. on on the escarpment yeah. where it's like yeah.
0: stuff that I climbed when I was a kid right. has fallen down. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> also a good. Point. Yeah,
2: the thing that eats hippies that keeps falling down. Yeah, white Bluff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you so know, it's,
0: th- go ahead.
1: Oh, this is a terrible transition, and you're going to give me shit for it.
0: Oh. Well, hey, li- I, I I will not prejudge you. Make make your transition. I, I want to and-
1: ask about Project uh, Crownland. i oh, yeah, saw yeah, the yeah. video on that. Yeah. And um, so, how long ago did you start on that? Uh, actually, uh, where is
2: it? D- d- so it's in northern Ontario. Uh, there's a little there's a little uh, there's a little town called Iron Bridge. It's a couple of hours north of there. It's um, it's 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 a, a two kilometer long cliff, about 150 meters at its highest point. Uh, it's got pretty good rock. I mean, good rock for that part of the world. Um, it's lovely. Uh, no crowds, um, which was kind of a win. Uh, you know, uh, D- Danilo, uh, I can never pronounce his last name. He found the cliff. Randy Kilbasevich, uh, he brought us up there a couple years back and said, you might be interested in this because he knew I was getting really burned out on the climbing scene in southern Ontario because we didn't have a whole lot of stuff to work on. Uh, and I got pretty stoked about it. Christine was with us and she was psyched as well. And uh, we've gone up a bunch of times. its its It could be one of the best places in the province, it's got some logistical issues that drive me insane, uh, primarily uh, how do you get in? Uh, so um, full disclosure, the easiest approach requires mm-hmm. going through uh, a farmer's property. Okay, mm-hmm. He has mm-hmm. a, a road that goes through. He's a Seventh-day Adventist, which means Friday at sunset, he closes the gate. The gate does not open till Sunday at sunrise. So that window... If you're in, you're not getting out. And if you're not in, you're waiting, right? So that's a problem, especially if you're driving from Southern Ontario and it's a seven and a half to eight hour drive. The other issue, um, so you drive this dirt road, which when it's in okay condition, you can get in with a with, with a car, but it better not be too low-slung, okay? Gotcha. If it's low-slung, you're going to have issues. The final descent to the base of the cliff, uh, you need a high-clearance four-wheel drive vehicle, ideally. So that, again, becomes a problem. Not so much with our truck, but uh, we have a Toyota FJ Cruiser. I wish they hadn't discontinued it. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. so it's a lovely vehicle. So uh, so that's great. So now you get to the base. Um, here's where things get crazy. Um, if that gate is closed, you can still enter it, but you now have to take an ATV track in. And that track definitely is a four-wheel drive, high-clearance road. In the spring, when the frost starts to leave, those roads become bogs and vehicles get stuck. We've had it stuck. It took us like five hours to get the truck out. It was so submerged in mud that I had to get in and out of the driver's seat through the window. Like I couldn't open the doors. Mm. Uh, and oh, so it was Nate yeah. and I, we were going in early in the spring before the mm-hmm. black flies. Yeah. And uh, and this is common in Northern Ontario. The frost no. starts to go. The water has nowhere to go. It mm-hmm. kind of sits there. It turns into a bog. And the truck just kept sinking deeper and oh, deeper man. and deeper. And uh, it took us like with a chainsaw and a bunch of hard labor, maybe five or six hours to get the vehicle out. And then we just tried to get out. Uh, so, so there's these are the logistical issues because you want to get up there before bug season because bug season is pretty hateful. Yeah. yeah, and then the fall is lovely. But the fall is lovely everywhere,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: So it's a great place. I love it. I, I mean, I mean, I love it. I wish I had more time. Mm-hmm. I wish I, I had more time. I wish I had
0: more time. That's sort of what well, was one of the things we run into, isn't it? Yeah. You know, basically, yeah. it's yeah. that there's there's so many awesome things. Absolutely. You know, and like places to explore. Yeah. Uh, And especially if you're you're developing a crag, it's one of those things. Like, whatever you think, you know, okay, you have one route planned. You find the line, da, 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 da. Whatever you think it's going to take you. It takes infinitely longer. Yeah. It's like (laughs) like like renovating. It's like renovating. You think,
2: oh, it's going to take no time at all. no. No. No, not even close. Yeah. And it's the same with this place. And so some of the things in that video we talked about, I think, are transferable to any climbing area. Look, if you want to have created a place that you and your friends climb once or twice, don't worry about what you do. That's fine. But also be aware that it'll be forgotten, right? Like forgotten in the sense that the work you put in, no one else is going to participate or or, or enjoy it. Mm. Uh, So what really needs to make areas viable, you need to have proper trails, proper bases. You need to develop routes so that they're properly equipped. Um, especially if you're rappelling in, you know, there's no excuse to not place bolts appropriately or clean the route properly if you're on rappel. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And again, all of this stuff is not very glamorous, right? But it takes a ton of time, a mm-hmm. ton of time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and people would rather be climbing. Yeah. Cause
0: this area is what you refer to as the eyeball. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah uh-huh. So, uh, cause like, l- I think it was like September last year, I already had a trip plan, but you'd invited me up there. Yeah. And uh, so I've been looking at all of your like info you sent yeah, me, yeah, yeah. you know, as far as finding yeah, where location. Is it? Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, like there is a road it's mm-hmm. visible from. Yep, but then there's a bloody river in the way.
2: That's right. Yeah, it's it's literally like you can. Yeah, so there there's the other option. So now, so let's build a bridge. Yeah, build
0: a bridge. <laughs> no, no,
2: seriously. Like I mean, that would be the easiest answer. If we could build a proper bridge, it would be dead easy to get in there. Yeah, dead easy. Mm. Um, so yeah, you got all these small factors conspiring against it. Well, I, I,
0: because it really, because like literally it is visible from the road.
2: Absolutely it is. Absolutely.
0: So even if it was just a pedestrian mm-hmm. bridge, yep. like a proper, you know, but a proper pedestrian bridge. I agree. Would make it accessible. I,
2: I, I'm all for it. There's all sorts of crazy talk happening right now trying to decide how viable all that stuff would be, yeah. right? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. Because uh, here's where uh, Tyrolean and Traverse, anyone?
2: Uh, it's always all that's, on the, that's actually on the list, by the way, because yeah. uh, that farmer is going to stop. Um, so the reason he maintains that road and grades it is because he, uh, he he allows logging companies to go in and log mm-hmm. the, the the land, and once that permit expires, there's no. <laughs> Incentive for him to manage that road anymore. Mm-hmm. So if that road goes, the only way in will be through the ATV trail mm-hmm. access point, and that road will continue to just erode through use, and it will definitely be like four wheel drive, high clearance, proper proper access, proper vehicle to get in access, right. <laughs>
1: So, um, I used to ATV, um, yes. years ago, and we went to a community called Mount Everett in Kentucky, like real redneck mm-hmm. area. And the town was fueled by mining. It went belly up, but yep. the miners, uh, company gave access to the mountains and everything yep. to the people. This town was so smart because... Of course
2: they
3: were.
1: They actually made it a very ATV friendly town. Friendly, so, because it
3: brings in revenue. Everywhere. Absolutely. You can camp. Yep.
1: They just want you to come out to their campfire, tell some lies, buy yep. some uh, moonshine. Yep. Buy gasoline, buy groceries. Yeah, that's it. Are there any other communities that you've ever heard of, just out of curiosity, from a rock climbing perspective, that's... a rock climbing friendly community that has provided infrastructure towards you know like doing these things
2: sure like I mean, I mean there are places in the US where this exists yeah I, uh, not a ton of places in Ontario obviously yeah. in Europe it's it's much more common like you'll get city councils like like funding the development yeah so you could like be paid to bolt routes mm-hmm. right which mm-hmm. is con- and they'll supply the hardware which is like this is amazing yeah yeah right
1: well I, I asked that question because especially as this becomes more and more of a popular thing sure cities are you always about I come from economic development they're Always looking at best practices and is there an economic benefit to doing this? I've,
2: I've, there would know? be if you developed an area properly so lion's Head is a great example mm-hmm. that, this place like it doesn't have enough camping it doesn't have enough like it has nothing it has no infrastructure right Yeah, it's true it, it like in and, and I don't know I don't know what the answer is and I mean I think a lot of cities or, or regions they see uh, a greater benefit from property taxes Rather than mm-hmm. creating infrastructure to promote ecotourism on some yeah. level, it's like, yeah. hey, people just like like property taxes are how we're going to fund it. It's like, well, we,
1: Niagara's we. come a long way. I'm from St. Catharines. Right. So So um, I don't recall Bouldering being there when I was a kid. And right. I went to Glen.
2: It was the Glen there, it was there back, recently. I'm like,
1: holy yeah. shit. Yeah. You know, this is really cool. And they charge money for. Yeah. See,
0: back in the day, like, because, you know, back in the 90s, I'd, I'd climbed at Niagara Glen, yep. but there were some things that were different than. Because I always kept my shirt on and I never wore a beanie, right? So so now, like if you look at like at, like boulderers, yeah. they don't own shirts. They all wear beanies <laughs> in the summer. Yeah. And, um, you used
1: to, and you know what? Like I used to free solo back then. Uh, you know where the aerial cars? Yes, cars? yes, yes. I used to do all that. Oh, that's funny. It was really stupid. Uh, yeah, yeah. And now we're I'm all We're all yeah. younger. We're all younger. You know, but but but
0: that's the thing where we're, it, it's developed this whole... Yeah. I I... For Niagara, it's like the barest drop in the bucket, yeah. the tourism dollars that climbing brings. Um, but
2: you could exploit that. I mean, I yeah. think if communities were switched yeah.
0: on, you, you would find a way to
2: tap into it because, see, and I've said this before, climbing is really amazing in the sense because we, as climbers, will build the infrastructure yeah. to attract people to your community to spend their money. Oh, I know. It's, like, yeah. I mean, this is insane. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand why communities don't embrace it or find a way to incorporate it into their into their overall economic plan. I, you know, I, I mean, we'll do yeah. it regardless. So, so yeah.
1: where do you think has the potential? I think if from it a logistics pro- perspective.
2: Logistically, it, I think uh, yeah. the Beaver Valley area, if it had a place for people to camp and a pizza yeah. shop, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, if that place, we need, people,
0: we need, to like start franchising Miguel's. <laughs> you
1: need more Portuguese. You need <laughs> <He's> something. <Portuguese, laughs> eh? Miguel's, Pardon? yeah, it's Portuguese. Yeah. 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 Anyway, it was just,
2: yeah. so it, it's funny because, um, like, you could then tap into the uh, road cycling, mountain biking. Day hiking, all mm-hmm. of that could exist. Because right now, if you go climbing in the Beaver Valley area, mm-hmm. it's just two hours from here. Oh, yeah. Two hours of the largest population in Canada, there's right? There's
1: so much land there. Yeah. Yeah. And,
2: yeah. And and there's just nowhere really to stay. And, and that, you're driving and that, home at night.
1: Yeah. And that's that's what they're known for. Yeah. They're known for all year round of adventure. Yeah, of course. But it's, so
0: but it's kind, kind of natural. known as a day place day, or, day only. or you're renting a chalet yeah. at Collingwood.
2: And I remember when we, were, when we were climbing more up in the swamp area mm-hmm. and in that area in general, we would... Uh, uh, I mean, when we were developing the clip, we would just sleep at the base, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but afterwards, uh, we would we would just like, well, there's nowhere to camp, so we just rent motels. Well, but 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 then the problem became <laughs> that you couldn't find motels that were open. Like 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 they would book so far in advance, yeah. And you're like you're screwed. Yeah. yeah and yeah. we tried to stay at Lith Provincial Park. It was like forty bucks for. Like, it was pretty, it's a
1: pretty, sh- like, well, what cost- about that? What about the University of Toronto Chalet?
2: The little uh, uh, climber's hut there that's hey. there. That's, that's small. And secondly, it's only for University of Toronto Outers Club, right? Mm. Um, so you need something bigger. Okay, when you, did, you saw how many people were at the uh, Beaver Valley Climbing Festival. Yeah. Like, I mean, the camping, if you, did you go to the back and check out the camping? It was we insane. We at it, yeah. Yeah, insane. Mm. And I mean, you don't need anything that big it wouldn't hurt mm. to have something, you know, half that size.
0: Well, and even if something like the Rob Roy Farm... Yeah. ...like had more individual campsites mm-hmm. not to sort of group, and they sort of marketed it year-round.
2: I, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, so okay. The Red River Gorge, another classic example. We started climbing there in 1990, 1991. Um, Miguel's had parking for maybe 10 cars, mm-hmm. okay? Like, literally, that was it. All those shops and, and cottage rentals, none of that stuff existed. Mm-hmm. None of it existed. Now... Did it all come about simply because of climbing? Probably not. But I think a lot of it did, mm-hmm. right? A lot of it did, yeah. And then yeah. And then you attract more recreational users because it's a beautiful part of the world, right? Um, so all those businesses did not exist, right? Mm-hmm. Climbing brought mm-hmm. much of that mm-hmm. uh, economic benefit to that area.
1: And let's face it, climbers today, they generally have money. Climbers
2: are not dirtbags. Like the whole notion yeah. that climbers we are We just still pretend dirt bags. to be. We pretend to be. And it's like, stop it. It's,
1: it. it's like the, uh, the motorcyclists. <laughs> <laughs> the lawyers, like yeah, grow, uh, yeah, the, beard full, over full, the
2: full leathers. It's like, dude, you're you're you're, you're a dentist. Relax, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. So we all have disposable income, right? We do. Yeah. We do. And all these Sprinter vans, you see, like people pretending they're poor and they're so hardcore. Dude, you got a sixty to eighty thousand dollar vehicle. You're not that poor. You're yeah. doing just fine, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And and you got a vehicle that cost this much and you're using it to recreate. You're doing fine. I
1: just can't help but think there's money here. There's an opportunity. There is. There is. I don't know. I don't know which city uh, council should be
2: approached and how it should be approached. But I I think, to me, it just seems like a lost opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And I know when we were talking, so when Old Baldy was repurchased and, and, and climbing was allowed I remember we had a meeting with city council. And that was one of the things I brought up. I'm we sorry, it got
1: repurchased. Can you explain that? What are you talking so about?
2: So old Baldy. So Yay. this is interesting. So our guidebook, uh, our guidebooks, uh, full circle. Uh, one of the things we, we've, we've done is we've listed every area that has had climbing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the reason we've listed it, even if they're closed today, is because they mm-hmm. may eventually reopen. Okay. Gotcha. And you want to have a history of what's gone on there. Sure. You know? And also demonstrate how long ago it took place. Because mm-hmm. it could provide some leverage when you're negotiating with land managers. Like, look, your, your grandfather, this is not a new activity. It's been going on here since 1971, right? Mm-hmm. So you can kind of show that. Here it is. And, and eventually, if it does get open, you don't want people destroying other people's routes by saying nobody climbed this. That's well, yeah, right. actually, these people did. Um, so anyway, uh, Old Baldy used to be open, got closed, then got opened with a permit, and then was going to get closed because it was going to get sold and all sorts of madness. So mm-hmm. we started on um, Ontario Climbing. I just did this little simple campaign, said, hey, let's try raise some money to try to purchase the place, right? Cause that was what we had to do. We had to purchase the property. So I think we raised like $7,000 through individual donations or six, six and a half. I'm not sure. Not a huge amount of money, but some, uh, MEC came in with a huge whack of money. Like, I mean, uh, I can't remember, but like a hundred plus thousand, uh, a couple of other organizations, Appline Canada, they all donated. And, uh, we bought the land and then we gave it back to the conservation authority with the understanding that it was now going to be open for climbing, right? Oh, wow. So where was I going with this? Um, uh, so, uh, so yeah, so when we were meeting with the city council, because they were psyched to have it open, right?
3: Because mm-hmm.
2: uh, it meant tourism on some level. I said, listen, if you could find some camping options, you would transform the whole area. That town of Kimberley would mm-hmm. be booming. It's got the little pizza shop, the Kimberly shop. Yep. Like, like, that place has great food. I mean, it would be amazing. I want to move there. It's a lovely, it's a <laughs> lovely
3: part of <laughs> wanna the world. I want to get back
1: into economic development. I, I said I'd never do that because I worked Honestly, in Honestly, that,
2: that place would, ki- like, seriously, you're close to Old Baldy. Devils Glen, Metcalf, mm-hmm. the Swamp, mm-hmm. Al Qaeda—they're all within like fifteen to twenty-minute drive. Mm-hmm. It's literally the Red River Gorge being redone again, right? You know what I'm getting at. Yeah. I'm exaggerating I a little you. bit, but yeah, it's all that. here. Yeah. It's all here. All people need is a place yeah. to not have to drive back home from every mm-hmm. night.
1: You know what we need to do? We need to find people in economic development the cities that rock climb or want to. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's all—it's all the ecotourism. Yeah. Of course it is. If it totally you've got—if you've got hiking, mountain biking, and climbing. Yeah, and because think they're of, all affluent, sports. the riding
2: up there is phenomenal. Yeah. The riding up oh, there,
0: yeah. the road
1: riding and the mountain yeah. biking is phenomenal. Yeah, and then one day if you can't ski because your knees are sure. blown out, you can rock climb. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's there's options is what it comes down to, right? Yeah. So, um yeah, no, I, I think it would be great. And it's it's like I don't want to I don't want to drive up there and then have to drive home on a Saturday. I'd rather yeah. stay up overnight and then climb on oh, Sunday totally. as well, right? Well, and that's
0: yeah. that's all those things that then. Add to that economy. Of course. Right? If you're not staying there, right? You're not buying the dinners. Nope. You're not going, oh shit, I forgot my chalk and yeah, having to go you're buy one. I'm just sure, sure
1: top of mind for them because when I was living in St. Catharines Niagara, that was a big deal because people were only coming in one day and they want and they added the people mover, they added all these attractions to get people to stay two to three days. And yeah, I think that they're doing that now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Collingwood wants uh, to I, I, do that.
2: You know, again, Kimberly, little town of Kimberly, sleepy little town, it yeah. would work. I don't know what the zoning's like. I know they had issues yeah. with zoning. I don't know what the permit system's. Like, but if they could find a way to do it, I mean, why would you? There'd go be
3: elsewhere?
1: money for them too, funding-wise. You should go talk to them. Hmm. To yeah,
0: them. I never said it. You could, you city. could be a hero. You could, you could. <laughs> we maybe get like a little bronze Absolutely. statue oh, yeah, would, yeah, at, yeah. at the base of the campsite, no. right? You yeah, know. yeah. Yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> It's it's not, sort of you just standing there looking all, you know, in your little bronze statue. Majestic. Yeah. Uh, Victorious. <laughs>
1: no, that's a fun spot. It's so beautiful. It's wonderful. And in it the really fall is. with the
2: leaves changing, people would go. Oh some would stay overnight.
1: I mean, it's like, why not? Why not that's offer like these a, options? That's a really great place to retire. It's it's wonderful. Around here. Yeah. Except for Utah. Utah is Utah's our, nice, that's too. That's where we too. That's our
0: yeah, plan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Wow. This is a lot of fun. We could live next to Alexander in, you know, Summerlin. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm. pretty cool too. But what were you going to say?
1: I was about to wrap up.
0: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs>
2: It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah.
1: Yes. Thank you. You're very welcome. I, I, you know, coming from as a newbie climber, mm-hmm. I should stop saying that. But eventually, honestly, we, all, we all were, we, though.
2: We all were.
3: This
1: yeah. is what people forget. But we're so lucky. So thank you to you oh, and Christine for all very the welcome. work that you've done. Yeah. I know I echo this from everybody. And Justin, else. too, and in the Justin books.
3: and Nate and a bunch yeah. of people well, there's have a done whole
1: tons crew. of work. Yeah. yeah. There's a it's whole a small crew.
2: crew of folks that have really done a lot to. You know, bring climbing in Southern Ontario forward.
1: It's it's amazing. That's why we wanted to have you on the, on the you podcast so today it was to Thank share you. that story.
0: Yeah, and if you're somebody who's offended by route names, <laughs> get over it. Do your research. Yeah, like, well, and, and even if it is offensive, um, the, when I was a kid, we had this little phrase, you probably heard it, sticks and stones may <laughs> break my bones. And so when people would put stones in the snowballs, like, that that did hurt. <laughs> But, you know, I was kind of a fat kid, um, and uh, they called me Blimston rather than Winston.
2: And you've done I, fine, haven't you? And
0: listen, you know, I'm fine. Uh, it did, No lasting like injuries, but I still have scars from those snowballs. <laughs> so it, it's that kind of deal where, uh, just like if there's a, a program you don't like, change the change channel, channel, right? Uh, I, Gus has a great idea, you know, because he's, he's sort of documenting history. That's That was the goal, you know? If you don't like a route name, but you still want to do the route, scratch it out with a Sharpie. Yeah. And then write your own name. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it only matters to you. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's go through, through a few things. So number one, uh, where can people sort of see your stuff?
2: Uh, a couple places. Uh, climbing gyms. Uh, many of the climbing gyms in Southern Ontario carry our books. Uh mountain equipment co-op at the moment carries our, our guidebooks uh you can also purchase them directly from us at ontarioclimbing.com uh and uh those are the primary sales channels
0: yeah so um, if, and if you want to get a feel for like the sea, climbing scene in ontario so, so,
2: i was go, also going to say rack up as well you can buy digital guides on rack up i can't yes, believe you i can. forgot that yeah, yeah.
0: um go to go to ontario climbing sign up for the forum yeah uh you know, everybody that you've talked about, you know... Is from, there. And, the, know. And,
2: and they're posting under their own names. It's yeah. a pretty... Civilized and and uh, uh, inclusive community. All things considered, when when most online forums or online discussions usually you know degenerate into name calling pretty darn quickly. This is not the case. And it's quite amazing, and people who are willing to share information yeah. and 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 encourage you to become a better climber. So you will David Smart, who is one of the most important first ascensionists in Southern Ontario. He's on there. Posts under his own name. Yeah, you know, it's like this is it's a pretty it's amazing that you can talk to these people. Um, and, and, and again, it doesn't matter. They don't care how hard you've been climbing or how long you've been climbing.
0: No. Cause it, they, we, we all have that same thing, which is we just, we, we, it's a climbing. sport you love. Yeah. You want people to do it better. Absolutely. You want people to stay safe. Absolutely. Um, crazy talk. More and not, crazy talk. not be dicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's really like it, none of it's like rocket science. No. Heck no. Right. You know, but it, it, it's one of these things where, where, um, there's many ways to do it right. Yep. Um, but there seems to be even more ways to do it wrong. Absolutely. Um, and you know, this is a sport, like don't take it, um, for granted, you know, always check your knots. You know, communicate with your partners, all that kind of thing, because it is a sport that has a body count. Yeah. If you do it wrong, yeah. gravity hurts. Yeah, like sometimes it ground. has a body count, even if you do it right. Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, rock breaks and yeah. shit like that. So yeah, like basically, go to Ontario Climbing. Um, you're also a writer, so there's like a ton of content. A ton on Ton of there.
2: content, and it's it's all primarily climbing uh, related. Uh, some product reviews, obviously specific to climbing. Some. some well, you did the tea story. kettle. I'm not yeah, sure I, how to. The... I like the tea kettle. I like the MSR tea kettle. I actually
0: was. I've I've got the titanium teapot how do you like it um i like it better than the tea kettle just Tell because me. i can also eat out of it like regular right. food
2: yeah because the opening on the, on the on the on the regular tea kettle is too small right? yeah mm. yeah yeah you
0: know so this one works both as yeah. like a, a teapot
2: and also as a bowl yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at and it, being practical you know
0: uh i've had that thing for yeah. so fucking long <laughs> god bless titanium um yeah so go to go to ontario climbing take part in the community yeah. um Contribute. Indulge in the
1: articles if you want to contribute. Yep. Yeah, by all yeah. means. Yeah. because I think people want to contribute to your hardware fund. Yeah, it's absolutely. Get right it that is website. Is on
2: the website. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And again, the money goes to primarily uh, uh, replacing hardware on old routes or establishing new moderate routes. There is very little interest in taking that money and pouring it into five fifteens, primarily because most people aren't climbing that grade, right? And uh, when the people,
0: to, the people that are usually have some sort of sponsorship. You kind of figured that out. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah. So, again, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's about an opportunity to give back to the broader community, right?
0: Yeah. And it, it just comes in. It's like if, if you're putting up a 515, there's maybe half a dozen people in the world that will climb but it again. Be busy, yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas
2: 56s are going to be popular and necessary. Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, so it's it, it's basically what's most useful. Yeah. So, and right. then buy the damn guidebooks, oh, people. Oh, thank you, thank you. They're awesome. <laughs> um, you know. And, and any of the you pricks that complain that Gus doesn't list how many bolts or how many quick draws you need?
2: Um, we did that consciously. Can I tell you why? Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, we, get, we have that coming up pretty regularly. So
2: um, our fear was uh, the following. One, we're human beings and we're flawed and we're going to make an error. So when we list a, a, a bolt count and we make a mistake and somebody assumes it's gospel and goes up without enough draws, they could get into trouble. Mm. Secondly... Um, Roots in Southern Ontario—I don't know if you've seen this—they're changing. Mm -hmm. Roots are are being adjusted, moved. Bolt counts are 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 changing. And again, putting an inappropriate bolt count or an erroneous bolt count is is, could lead to issues. And links are the same thing. When people think, when you see length and you think it's accurate, the way people gauge sport climbing or climbing root links is like. Hey, how tall, how tall do you think that is? That's about seventy-five feet. Okay, seventy-five feet it is. Yep, like th- th- it's not, <laughs> no, it's not no, measured. Mm-hmm, so what we mm-hmm. do is we list routes that require very long r- ropes uh, to lower or require an excessive amount of draws. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you know, twelve draws will get you pretty much up anything. Yeah, it's also interesting. and I'm going to put this as a, uh, just a final note about this. So the fellow, there's a British guidebook author whose name escapes me at the moment. He started this whole uh, guidebook style. You know, with the uh, with the uh, infographics and the topos and the distance and the number of roots and the bar graphs. And he recently, about two years ago said, and he, he would list lengths and bolt routes. And he, two years ago came out and said, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's leading to too many accidents and too Mm -hmm. many people getting into trouble. Mm -hmm. So he's now going back and removing it. So I, I think, you know, as a climber, just be cautious, like, uh, guidebook authors make mistakes, routes change. Always bring a few extra draws with you when you when you're starting out on something you're not sure of, because it'd be really shitty to kind of go. Yeah, because
0: fundamentally, you're still responsible for yourself. There was
2: an accident that happened at Devil's Glen, no, uh, at Old Baldy, Black Forest area this summer, just because of what we're talking about. A route uh, in another guide had been listed as a sport climb, and um, and somebody went up thinking it was a sport route because it was mostly bolts except for the top. Didn't have enough. Draws? Well, there were no draws. There was no place for him to clip. Fell and hit the ground. Had to get evac'd. And and I know when we looked at our guide, we said, "No, it's 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 listed as a trad route." And actually, the text was interesting. We said, "This could almost be a sport route, except it doesn't have enough bolts near the top, right?" So this was inappropriately documented. Somebody got on the thing and got hurt this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, climbers need to be aware that guidebook authors, all of us, we make mistakes and and don't take any of these numbers as gospel. They're they're a lot less useful than you think.
0: Yeah. So there we go. That's like a a good safety note to wrap up. Mm -hmm. So until next time.
1: Work hard, play dirty, and stay safe.